welcome you to another live edition of the Sports Box, brought to you by our sponsor, Showcase Sports in Hamilton. Showcase Sports for the elite athlete. And by our friends over at Crowdplay. Download the free Crowdplay app today and check them out at www.crowdplayapp.com for details. Ladies and gentlemen, it's showtime. Welcome back to another edition of the Fighting Word Show, brought to you by the Sports Box. I'm your host, Bob Esau, alongside my co-host, Louis Berticilla. Tonight, we have the guys from Cage My IQ joining us, and I'm super pumped to get going. Welcome, guys. Yo. Thanks for having us on tonight. Miles, by the way, before we start, I love that background, bro. That is awesome. Thanks, man. That is awesome. Took a, took a chunk of time on a weekend one day. It's like, you know what? Where are all my favorite parcels? Where are those at? Get in the garage, dust that off, and string it up there with some lights. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Big fight card this weekend. Let's hop into oh, yeah. pump. I'm excited. Sounds good. All right, let's do it. And we got a couple comments on here. We got a, my boy Jason Yo. Yo. What's going on, man? Yo, yo. Then <laughs> he said it was awesome. Thanks for tuning in, man. This guy is one of my guys in my uh, Twitter community that I started uh, communicating with with a bunch of other uh, MMA podcasts. He's going to win started soon. I'm, I'm actually going to have him on in a couple weeks to do the Brunson uh, Holland fight. So I'm looking I'm excited, I'm excited for that fight. That's going to be a good fight. Oh, yeah. Very nice. I'm just excited that they finally gave us a uh, – every fight on this card is, is not – there's not one snoozer. You know what I mean? Oh, no. And we talked events, about, and we talked about that last time. We but this one, time. go to the bathroom before the card, stay put, because they're all going to be exciting. Even throughout <laughs> the prelims, too. Oh, yeah. 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 If you look yeah. At the whole card. Yeah. If you look at the early prelims, they got Tim Elliott on that. I'm mm-hmm. like, geez. They, 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 they even have Kai Carr France mm-hmm. low on the card, and I'm like, geez. Just a couple months ago, he was fighting uh, was it, uh, Figueredo. I think it was – no, no, that was Royval. But he was fighting on the a main card, and now he's like low on the totem pole on this one. That just shows how big of a, a card that they built right here. Absolutely. Yeah, we got more comments. Uh, he said this card is dope. It is. It's definitely. True. Listen, when you, have Do- when you have a guy like Dominic Cruz fighting on the prelims, yeah, you know, how's that how's yeah. that's the main card then? You know, a legend yeah. like him. Yeah, yeah. But uh, let's get started uh, with the, the very first fight on the on the card. Uh, we got uh, Tiago Santos versus Alexander Rakic in a light heavyweight uh, matchup, where uh, Santos is the plus twenty one twenty five underdog and. Rakic is the minus one fifty uh, favorite. Yeah, those odds are right what they're supposed to be. I think too. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, if you, you want know. to get started on this, uh, yeah. Luke. Yeah, absolutely. Tiago Santos is. I love the tattoo, by the way. That 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 mule on the chest. I'm just oh, yeah. yeah I, I don't hate on that. that. Is one of the best tattoos I've ever seen in my life. Um, but this guy is he's he's, a, he's got heavy hands. He's a pure striker. He's gonna try to knock you out. Um, it's a shame what happened to him because he looked so good against John Jones. Um, he took a loss, but he, you know, relatively speaking, he looked good. Um, but the Glover Teixeira loss really knocked him down quite a few pegs. Um, you know, it was it was not a pretty, pretty uh loss to take. Um, 
but this guy's a beast, you know, with one punch. And we all know in the UFC, uh, one punch can can do it to you. Um, Alexander Rakic, he's no slouch either. He's four and one in his last five. Um, his last fight was uh, a W with uh, against Anthony Smith. Uh, before that, he took a split decision loss to Volkir, and I can never pronounce these names, uh, Ozdemir, which could have gone either way. Ozdemir, um, I think it is. Ozdemir. I like yeah. it. I'll take it. Um, but it could have gone either way, that fight. So these two are basically, uh, I believe, Rakic is ranked number four, and Santos is like two or three, maybe, something like that. Um, so I guess what we have here is, is a potential title eliminator. Um, I would love to see either one of these against uh, the winner, uh, uh, whoever wins the main event of the evening. Um, but I'm looking for, personally, I'm looking for Tiago Santos to uh, to come back here with just a blistering one-two combo. Um, and the night for Rackage maybe in the second round. Um, but this is going to be a good fight. This is going to Somebody's going to go to sleep. What about you, Miles? Uh, so this one's this one's interesting. Actually, for this whole fight card, I just decided, fuck it. Let me just let me just get UFC Fight Pass. I was trying to do research <laughs> with ESPN Plus, and it was not fucking working. I was shocked how little they had available. But uh, so so I got something out of this whole thing either way. But here's my thing with uh, Diego Santos. You know, he's got an excellent uh, uh, background. He's got the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. He's got the Muay Thai, and just in case, he's got a little ba- uh, capoeira to back it up. Um, he moves really well. Uh, he has some issues with his guard work, though, especially when he throws those kicks. Uh, you saw that a lot in the John Jones fight, and it doesn't seem yeah. to improve all that much over time. Like, I think his coach after that fight was like, hey, what the hell was that? You know, and so they've been working on it, but I don't think it's there yet. You know what I mean? Uh, he's definitely a power striker. I would even say he's got the the power advantage in this fight in terms of uh, when the blows actually connect. The problem is he doesn't have the, the proficiency. He tends to overswing in his throws, and again, that comes back to his guard work. But he is good at being patient. He picks his opportunities for those counters, and that kind of helps compensate for that lack of, of technical proficiency in the guard work and in the striking. Uh, he's got great takedown defense, well-rounded ground game. Um, he stays active in the clinch, which is real important. Uh, he's also got a decent wrestling ability. Uh, but the main thing I'm I'm more worried about is that knee injury we saw in the John Jones fight. It looked like it was an True. older knee injury. It flares up, especially if we're talking about a longer fight. And it, you know, if it if it doesn't end quickly and that knee starts to affect him, one thing we figured out from the from the last Macy Barber fight is you can't discount an injury because it doesn't just affect you physically. It can fuck with you mentally, you know, and it yeah, just throws you off your whole game. So on the other side, you got uh, uh, Alexander. Uh, you're gonna have to correct me on this pronunciation because I always butcher names. Rakic. Okay, Rakic. <laughs> it's a running joke on my stream. I just mispronounce shit all the time, so <laughs> you'll have to forgive me. Uh, but the dude's a great uh, kickboxer, not as credentialed of a grappler. He's only a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu purple belt. So there's a there's a potential kind of chink in the armor there. Uh, he is also a power striker. He's also got really good leg kicks when he uses them. Um, in this matchup, he's the more technically proficient striker. So he doesn't have so much power, but I think he's he's going to have more ability to kind of work like a boxer, right? He's going to be looking for those opportunities, those holes in the guard to slip and try to counter as much as possible and really place those power shots at those key moments because uh, he's also got great evasion and good head movement, you know, uh, the good wrestling takedown ability and so on. Uh, when he gets to the ground, he can problem solve, but he's definitely not comfortable being there. So, so here's my general takeaway from all this, uh, a a KO or a decision is probably how this is going to go. Uh, barring a lucky punch, 
uh, a rat, 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 ratchet, rat, racket, <laughs> racket. <laughs> I told you I was going to do that. Wreckage being the more technically proficient striker and still being powerful. I think he's going to have those opportunities to place those big power shots and wear Santos down. And the thing is, when you add those up over time, that's how you create a knockout. Knockouts are usually not just a one-hit punch and that ends it. I mean, that's what that's what that lucky power punch sometimes does. But for the most part, in most fights, there's you know an adding up, an accumulation of damage, and eventually you just break. Um, and Rackage is is the more technical, technically proficient guy, so I think he can make that happen. Uh, versus Santos is going to be relying on you know more of the lucky punch sort of strategy. Um, if this does end by submission, then uh, yeah, I see in the comments, absolutely, Santos would be the guy who can uh, use his Brazilian jiu-jitsu knowledge and his experience to pull out a submission win if that's where his head's at. You know what I mean? For a guy with that much uh, submission background, that much like wrestling background, he doesn't seem to use it very often. He seems to want to stand and trade. So if he, if his coach, you know, gives him the strategy and says, look, we need to take this to the ground. You might not be able to stand with him with the hands, but you can choke him out. And that's how we'll get the win. If he's, you know, his coach lays that out and he listens to him, that could be a, a definite path to victory here for Santos. Um, but if this goes to decision, much for the same reasons, I think Rackage uh, is going to be, you know, racking up the points and significant strikes, placing those big power punches when they need to happen. Um, and if, you know, this becomes a long drawn out fight again, that knee could be a, an issue that could slow down Santos and keep him from, you know, keeping up on the scorecards. So I would also give the, the decision to Rackage. Yeah, we got a couple of comments on here. We got Patrick saying Bobby. Then we got Jay saying Rakic is a killer, but I expect Santos to come back stronger than ever. Patrick's going with Santos, and then I expect Santos to use his BJJ in this fight. I hope he does. I hope he does. <laughs> yeah. Like, first we got uh, Tiago Santos. Uh, he fights out of American top team. When when I go with my predictions, I usually just let everybody know what gym they fight out of. Then we got Rackage, who fights out of American top team, Sag. Sir Greg or Sir Breb, and I don't know how to say it. But um, the thing with Rackage that I see is like he has a wrestling background, and it's really good. He just tends to st stay up. He doesn't really have to use it. He stays up, and then he goes with his striking. Uh, Santos, uh, ever since he left the, the the small division and went up the light heavyweight, he's kind of lost some of that that explosiveness. And then, of course, he had that uh, the ACL injury in the John Jones fight. So uh, he's been a little passive. He's been known lately to either have a like a, a explosive uh, a fight or a passive fight. He doesn't seem to stay consistent with what he's doing. It's like always like a different game plan. I don't know if it's like like his coach's game plan to be more passive and selective in certain fights. And then in other fights where they know he needs to get started early, then he gets explosive. But he's not going to want to. This is a fight he's not going to get get tired on. I expect him to uh, uh, push Rackage Rackage towards the cage if he has the chance to keep Rackage from having having the movement. He's going to try and wear him out because Rackage can get uh, tired. Uh, and personally, I think it's going to come down to whether Rackage can take down Santos or if Santos can keep the fight standing up because even though Rakic has the, the, he has the increase with his, uh, striking the Santos has the, the advantage with his, uh, 
power. Like one punch, he'll knock you out. Uh, as you know, by like he trains with the his uh, girlfriend at uh, Unit Kanetskaya, and he saw what she did in her fight against a wrestler. Um, with even though she was down, uh, she was still striking. He's going to be the, mm -hmm. similar. Like she, she learned all that from uh, Santos, where no matter where you're at, he's going to just uh, keep hitting you. But he's going to look for that power shot. I either see it being Santos by a second round knockout, or I see it rackage by a, a, a unanimous decision. It all depends on if Santos can take his time with those power shots. If, if he tries to unload early, he's going to tire out. He's been known to do that. Uh, the, the pace he was going in that John Jones fight was perfect until, of course, he got mm -hmm. hurt. He, mm -hmm. he had a great pace in that. He was taking his time. He was getting him with shots, but then he got hurt, and he kind of threw his game plan out the window. But I, I, I give the edge here to Santos. Uh, I think he needs to get back in the win column. He has that X factor where I don't see – I see Rackage up there, but unless he can get well ahead in the in the column, in the striking column, uh, I don't think he has this. I, I give it to Santos. I like, I like what you said. I like what you all said. Um, personally, I think that Santos is – he did have a war against John Jones. He did just lose the Glover to share. He's on a two-fight losing skid. He is 37. He does, like you guys said, he has dealt, dealt with those knee injuries. So you don't know how his knee can hold up. I expect Rakic to be the quicker fighter. And as Miles said, like, Santos is 37 years old. He's been through a lot of wars in his career. So he tends to have leaky defense when he throws his kicks, when he throws his combinations. And a kid like Rakic, you can't stand in front. You saw what he did to Jimmy Manuel. You mm -hmm. can't stand in front of a deadly kickboxer like that. He's got they both have one punch knockout power. So it's kinda of, it depends on it depends on if the Tiago Santos that fought John Jones shows up and if he can keep that pace and he can hit Rickets with those hard like those sharp punches. But then you don't know you don't know who's gonna show up. You don't know if Rickets is gonna get him on on him early and put a, he's a young kid, he's in great shape, he's gonna put on a quick pace. So you don't know what's going to happen. But I personally give the advantage to Rakich. I think he's going to come out. I think he's going to start quick. I think Santos is going to fade quicker than we expect. And I think Rakich gets done within two rounds. All right, so we got a two to two. Two to two going here. How do you feel about it with the odds? Uh, do you, Does that change your mind if you're if you're betting ben on this fight? Or do you stick with it just because it's – it's not that big of a change, like minus one fifty plus one twenty five. I think it's pro I think it's pretty proper. I think yeah. it's hard. I mean, Santos is on a two fight losing skid. I doubt him to be the favorite. He's thirty seven years old, right? He's a young kid. He's twenty nine. He has one loss in the UFC, which was a controversial decision. So you don't it's kind of yeah. hard to not have him be the favorite in the fight. Mm. Yeah, I yeah, totally agree with that. Totally agree with that. The odds are where they should be. Uh, but like like, you know, Santos, he's got that power. And that's the last thing that goes, uh, you know, fighters always say the last thing that goes is, is that punch. So with just, all he needs is one and he's more than capable of landing that one because um, they're so um, they're pretty much they're evenly matched. The odds show it. it's pretty much a push. Um, so, you know, it's I just look for him to come back. I look for him to just to, to, to get back on track um, and just land that one punch that he needs. You know, he's not going to out wrestle you. So it's going to be it's going to be that one punch. So, it was funny. Yeah. It's funny you say that because. uh I was listening to MMA Junkie today, and they were talking about uh, 
at the Antonio Tarver uh, Frank Mir uh, boxing match. I saw that, and, and they're Ooh. that's what they said. They're like the, the first that's thing, upcoming. Uh, they just April seventeenth. Uh, yeah, what? on the on the Paul Ashton card. Yeah, yeah. Get out of here. Yep. I didn't uh, see that at all. All right. They, <laughs> they, they made a point to mention the first thing that usually goes is like your speed and quickness. The last mm-hmm. thing they go is your striking power uh, because they mm-hmm. they made a mention to the the Roy Jones Jr. Uh, uh, Mike Tyson. How Mike Tyson has the the he still has the power, but Roy Jones doesn't have that speed and el- elusiveness anymore. Right. So, yeah. uh, like it's that's the perfect uh, what you said. Like he's always going to have that power mm. uh, where it could be like the equalizer, where kind of like I'm not comparing it, but like Derek Lewis against Blades, he was losing. All he needed was that one shot, and then Santos has yeah. that. He has that capability. I, I just he just needs to stay away from the the the, the wrestle, and he needs to make sure because I, I I really think Rackage is going to try and take him down and wear him out but right. what he can do is keep moving because it's been noticed in the in the past that when rackage does that he gets kind of tired and right. wears out yeah that's true that's true but as a younger guy you know that's probably what he's going to try to do go for that knee um but i, I, I still got santos i don't care i got santos <laughs> <laughs> but we got the the next matchup on the card, which is a lightweight uh, matchup between Islam Makovic versus Drew Dober, where Makovic is easily the minus three sixty favorite, and Dober is the plus two eighty underdog. Uh, how do you feel about this, uh, Lou? Uh, I don't feel good for Mister uh, Drew Dober um, right now, Islam. Uh, this is a bad one for me. Makachev, Makachev, whatever. Islam. Um, basically, he's baby Khabib right now. He's gonna try to maul you. He's gonna try to uh, just wear you out with the wrestling, but ground and pound. Uh, he can strike. You know, he's got power. He can knock you down. He put you on your butt. Um, but he's looking to just completely wear you out. Uh, the same way, you know, he's teammates with Khabib. Um, Khabib, you know, is in his corner a lot of the time. So. You know, he, he's baby Khabib. Um, he's 5-0 and in his last five. Um, <laughs> this kid is just a monster right now. Uh, Mr. Dober, uh, he's also, um, um, he's an all-around fighter. He's an all-around fighter. He can knock you out. He can submit you. Um, uh, he's he's coming off three straight KOs. Um, so, th- you know, he, he's not a slouch. He's not a slouch. Um, but right now, I, I just see, um, with with the way Khabib is on top of the world, even though he's retired, um, and and Islam learning directly from Khabib from the master, um, you know he hasn't shown any really any kinks in his armor in any of his his outings in the UFC. He's just he's just a mauler, man. And uh, you know I, I always joked around. I, I called Khabib uh, he was an ox. You know he's an ox. He's just he's he's a bull. He's he's just an animal. He's just gonna wear you out. And Islam is showing signs of that very aspect. Uh, that Khabib showed, and it's 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 tough to it's tough to bet against that style of fighting. Um, you know, it, you take it back to to the first UFC when it was um, when it was the Gracies. What did they do? They just they they wore you out. They put you in a chokehold. They look for the armbar and wrestling. Uh, a fantastic, fantastic top tier wrestler in the UFC or an MMA period is always going to have the advantage against uh, anybody else. Um, you know, you have to be a 
superior out of this world striker to even um, consider putting fear in a, in a superior wrestler's heart. So I don't, I don't see, I see Islam just, I see him wearing this kid out. Um, and it's not to, it's not to um, take away from Dober and his abilities because he's, he's a fantastic fighter in his own right. But I just, I don't see it. Baby Khabib is gonna, you know, he, he's, he's gonna take this and it's gonna look easy, I think. What about you, Miles? So, yeah, I agree with most of what you said. See, this is interesting because now we're seeing a new generation of fighters coming out of Russia with Sambo. People didn't really know what the mm -hmm. fuck Sambo was for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. And you're right. There was like this trend where in, in very, you know, very beginning of UFC, Brazilian jiu-jitsu was the big thing. It was basically a marketing campaign for fucking Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So everybody's right. like, ah, damn, that's the thing I got to learn if I want to be successful. And then once everybody's learning Brazilian jiu-jitsu, then all these, you know, real experienced wrestlers came in and they had this very heavy, dominant topside game that would just smash through their front guards and their half guards and shit. And they were like, oh, wow, that sucks. I guess I got to be able to wrestle too, because not only were they good on the ground, they could take you from the cage and put you in a really shitty position where you couldn't work. So, right. you know, that became the, the wrestling thing became the big trend. The NCAA, you know, the, the All-American guys, they were doing really well. And now we've got the Sambo guys who are like the best of both worlds because Sambo isn't just wrestling. It's a very unique flavor of wrestling that's closer to like catch wrestling where they involve all the submissions and stuff. So that's, that's I think, the, the newest guy to come on stage with this Sambo thing is Makachev. I think is how you say that. Makachev. Beautiful. Like beautiful right. word. Yeah, I <laughs> nailed it. Mm, got it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, even, even besides the Sambo, he's got the kickboxing. So, you know, he's got the technique. Uh, he's a decently powerful fighter, but I think his strategy is more similar to like Khabib's in terms of power where he's adding up punches over time, over time, over time, and then it leads to a knockout, which is why when you look at his stats, he doesn't have like a staggering number of knockout victories uh it's more like weighted towards your decision victories and your submission victories um but he's not a bad striker by any by any means um right. he's very patient he picks those opportunities and he builds steam as the fight goes on um and and again the the unique thing about sambo in particular is it's not just a, like a wrestling style and a submission style it's a wrestling style that specializes in taking away your opponent's options, you know, with Khabib and his leg lock thing that nobody had really seen until Khabib showed up and they're like, Oh, what's he doing there? And then they figured out, Oh, he's doing that because strikers can then do nothing. You, you just got to sit there and be at his mercy until he's like, all right, do I want to submit him? Do I want to let him up? Do I want to just, you know, try to land some punches and wear him out? It's, it's a very effective style of wrestling that I think Drew Dober is not really ready for. When you look at his credentials, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu black belt, some Muay Thai, some high school wrestling, so like if it goes all the way to the ground and he's in a good position where he's in a comfortable guard and he can work, he might have some options, sure. When he's on his feet, he's got the power punches, but he's not as technically proficient. You know, again, he's kind of like uh, Tiago Santos with more of the swinging involved to generate power uh, rather than just being like uh, like more of a technical boxer and just using your body to generate the power. Um, so I think, you know, with, with Khabib, or not Khabib, uh, Makachev's uh, kickboxing, he's going to kind of pick apart the guard, find those opportunities to wear him down and striking, and then capitalize on that into takedown opportunities, put him on the ground, take away his options. Um, and, and yeah, that's, that's pretty much how this fight's going to go. So that's why I'm thinking mm -hmm. overall, 
we're probably going to see this go to a, a decision victory with Makachev, just like I said, wearing him down as the fight goes on, putting him on the ground, taking away his options, racking up the scorecards uh, as the fight wears on until eventually it's his decision. Uh, and in the same process, of course, he could like go for submissions if he wants them, uh, just depending on you know where his mind's at during the fight, if he's looking for that sort of thing, or if he's just willing to go the distance and watch Drew Dober just peter out as, you know, <laughs> He makes him work overtime in areas that he's maybe not necessarily the strongest. Uh, but the one path to victory I potentially see here for Dober is if he can keep this fight at striking range and he can be patient and not like, you know, load those big shots and miss and then create opportunities for Makachev. He has the potential to like land those big power shots, add them up to a KO. Even, I mean, even just the, the one lucky shot is, is, you know, kind of all he needs here, but yeah. It's it's he's got to walk a razor's edge. That's the drawback. You know, you can't mm. make that many mistakes. Otherwise, Makachev's just going to capitalize and your whole strategy kind of falls apart. So that's why I'm leaning definitely towards Makachev. I think he's got just more options here, either, you know, by decision, submission. Um, but in terms of striking power, I give it to Dober with, with the potential for a knockout here. Uh, this one's interesting because uh, I, I see this closer than everybody else does. Uh, really? uh, of course, uh, Makovic is going to be the the favorite, and he's going to be the the hot pick. Uh, we got Drew Dober. He fights out of team elevation. Everybody knows all, about all the fighters that fight out of there. They got that wrestling background, uh, of course. Then you got Makovic, who fights out AKA. Uh, just like Miles said, you got the Samba. Well, the fighters use they pressure forward to use the the momentum of the other opponent against them. So it's easier to get the takedowns. Uh, when you're moving backwards, it's harder to defend. But one of Dober's uh, things that he excels at is his defensive wrestling skills. He's really good at defending the takedown. And then he has that wrestling background. So he kind of uses it to his advantage. And then another thing that I see him using, he's really good at combination uh, striking. He knows how to land the combinations, and, and, and instead of just hitting a punch, pulling out, he knows how to go punch, 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 or punch, kick. Uh, I still think Makovic has the advantage, and but I don't think it's that far off. I, I think it will wind up being two rounds to one. I think it's going to be tied going into the third round. Uh, I what I see is that Makovic just going with the with the with the sambo takedowns. But he's going to get stopped a few times. It's kind of going to be like uh, Lewis stopping blades. Uh, you're not going to expect it, but you should because Dover has improved his all-around game since he came in. He wasn't that great when he came in. And then it must have been the past four or five fights. He's shown a dramatic improvement in his wrestling, his defense, his striking just overall and then just like you said he's on a win streak so he's on a high right now i give the edge to makovic but i wouldn't be surprised if uh dober would be able to pull out a, a knockout i wouldn't be surprised because he, he's going to have the advantage when it comes to striking because of the combinations which might be able to slow down uh, makovic d-big i like what you were saying now a lot of people, I think, are counting out Dober a little bit too soon. But at the same time, as Miles was saying, a guy like Makachev, a prodigy of Khabib, those Russian guys with that Samba, they take away all of your options. So pretty much all 
Dober does. Dober is a fantastic defensive wrestler. But when you're relying on that and you're relying on your striking, all he all Dober needs to be perfect. The best way to put it is Dober needs to be perfect for 25 or 15 minutes. It's three on fight. Makachev needs one takedown, just as Khabib did. And he's going to control you against the fence and he's going to put a pace on you and he's going to put, he's going to pressure you. And you're not going to be able to maintain that. You're not going to be able to get off the ground. Mm-hmm. And he's just going to keep piling on points. Same, same way, same style as Khabib. Same way. Mm-hmm. And McGregor, the McGregor fight's a perfect example of it. As good of a striker as he, he is, counter puncher, kind of similar to Dober, big power puncher. If he gets one takedown on you, he's going to ride you out. You're going to lose all of your energy. Your punch are going to have less pop. So even if you do get up, you're not the same fighter as when you started round one, minute mm-hmm. one. You know? Yeah. It's an interesting fight, though, because Dober, Dober's very underrated. He's coming off of three knockout wins in a row. So you do never know, but I'd say Makachev is going to come out with a decision win and just pressure mm-hmm. him the entire time, put his back on the ground, keep him up against the cage, pop him with punches, and then just give him zero options, much like Miles said. Yeah. And one more thing, because I heard you say this last time, or my finger should be like in this direction, I guess. I'm getting used to the mirror <laughs> thing. Uh, but but D-Bick, I heard you say it once before, and I let it go because I was like, ah, no. But this time I think it's more egregious. When you said this is comparable to like Lewis Blades knockout, right, or the Lewis Blades fight, the reason Blades got knocked out, we had a whole thing about this. It was Curtis Blades was just not setting up those takedowns at all. Like he was literally just sticking his head down and running in. And then all Derek Lewis had to do was like, oh, oh, I got to do the punch now. Okay. <laughs> and like when they were in the I interview, mean, he literally well, I mean, said, when he, my plan it, it, is just hit him when he comes in. Like that's not a yeah. strategy. It's a technique that it happened to work this time. But I don't think Makachev is going to be like, oh, let me do a takedown real quick. Well, I mean, oh, it, <laughs> well, I, mean? Well, I meant 30 seconds in when he went to take him down and Derek Lewis defended it and then he kept them from down right there yeah he didn't set that takedown up either he didn't set up any of them like he really just went from like punching and then he kind of paused for a second and he was like oh i'm gonna shoot and then Derek lewis saw it coming because usually what you're supposed to do you're supposed to cut angles you're supposed to hide it behind your punches you're supposed to set it up with your kicks so that way they're thinking about something else and then right when they make a move to if you like fake or if they go to sh- uh, slip or something like that that's your opportunity to shoot hmm. Curtis Blades wasn't doing that. He was just like, okay, uh, shoot. Oh, damn, that didn't work. Back to punching. Okay, shoot again. Ah, oh, damn, I didn't do it either. Like, It's very, very different from, I think, Makachev's style, especially when he's learning from Khabib. Uh, that was one of the things Khabib was excellent at, was transitioning from striking to grappling, especially when he knew he was outclassed in striking, whether it's technical proficiency or power. He would use the striking to set up his takedowns very, very well, and he would draw in that 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 step that they shouldn't have made that back step. They shouldn't have made that slip that made their body weight shift towards the back instead of towards the front. And he'd capitalize on it. And that's, I think what we're going to see here with, with Drew Dober as well. I, I want to put past though, Dober's uh, defense though, the takedown, because that's one of his bread and butters uh, lately is defending the takedown. And well, sure, I, he's got defense. Sure. Yeah. I'll give him that. But, yeah, but again, like, <laughs> I, don't think it's, I think people just think, Oh, it's Sambo. So it's going to be a foregone conclusion that he's going to get the takedowns and then uh, that's going to be it. When you, we just watched it uh, uh, this week with Anklevev against uh, Krylov, where mm-hmm. Anklevev is, he's a Sambo. Uh, he has a, he's a master in Sambo and he got taken down in the first round and Krylov was able to win the first round. Uh, sure. Like, uh, 
it happens. I think it, that one was a little closer than this fight, though, in terms of like like uh, uh, grappling uh, proficiency. Yeah. Like I think the the Krylov was was more of a proficient grappler relative to Ankalaev than Dober is to Makachev. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, right. I just I just That's... see if you could defend it, and then if Dober can get that ch- the combinations going, he can slow Makovic down. He'll mm-hmm. be able to slow it down. It's just that he's going to have to be able to withstand all those, all the pressure of Makovic with, with the pushing forward. That's going to be if he can't, he's going to have no chance. But if he can withstand half of it, he'll have a chance. I mean, what's yeah, interesting it just goes is, back to what I was saying too a little bit. Yeah, ahead, oh, I'm sorry, Miles. Um, no, I just had did. to slide this in there that I just think that um, you know, first of all, I'm shocked that you two that you two. <laughs> are putting it a little closer than you know i i just I, I don't know like i said when when you are so far in the head superior at something um it doesn't matter what the other guy brings now you know the ufc and mma is is a totally different animal whereas you know again that 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 puncher's chance always exists um you could uh, shoot miss and somebody hits you with a knee or something like that um, you can shoot and miss, and somebody gets your arm. You, you know, guillotine or something like that. Um, but I think that with with uh, how do you pronounce it, Makachev, Makachev, um, being under the tutelage of Khabib, that's just something that can't be underwritten. Because you know, whatever Khabib is doing, um, you know, he he's learning from him, um, and you just can't. And the way he's looked, the way that he has been mauling everybody else too, akin to what Khabib has been doing, it's just I. I it's it's tough to say I don't care what Dober can bring to the octagon, but it's just you know when you tally all that, it's just he's just so up here right now that it's just tough to even consider that that Dober's going to even you know sniff a win in this fight. You know what I mean? And that just again goes to learning from Khabib because Khabib is the man right now. You know? Yeah, I think uh, Jay has a point too. Uh, Makachev uh, hasn't been in the octagon in a long time. Mm-hmm. So and Dober's been Dober's been active. So sure, but then you got to take into account if he's out of the octagon, who's he training with? Because that's usually the downfalls. If you're not in the octagon regularly, you don't have as challenging opponents and like sparring partners or like who you're at with the gym. He's in the gym with Khabib. He's in the gym with Khabib and Khabib sparring partners. So I don't mm-hmm. know if ring rust is as much of a of a problem for him just because of who he's coming from and who he's got around him helping him out. You know what I mean? It would be different if he was like at some rando gym in Russia where the guy, you know, half the time brings in like, hey, I, I, this kid from that gym down the street seems all right. Let's have him spar with you for a little bit. It's it's not quite the same, you know? He, he could – that's where he could sneak out though, like the first round where Dover could sneak that out because he's – He's been fighting uh, more recently. He can sneak out the first round, and then Makovic then gets his uh, game going because he's mm-hmm. broken the rust off in the first round, and then he sure. gets the next two. So, I think that might work both ways, right? Because I think Dober is going to have to come out strong in the first round. I yeah. think the first round is going to set the tone for the rest of the fight, just especially in this in this matchup, more uh-huh. so than some of the other ones we're looking at, but. At the same time, Makachev's coaches are telling him that. That's part of the game plan. They're gonna be like, all right, first round, he's gonna he's gonna want to finish this up early. He's gonna come out strong with those punches. He's gonna want to put you away because he he's afraid of your wrestling. He don't want to take this to to a position where you've got the superiority. So how do we plan for that? And in coaching and in MMA in general, a lot of the time, 
it comes down to how good is your coach at developing strategies to be successful in the ring? And then it's a question of how good is your fighter at executing those strategies? He's got both components. He's got excellent coaches behind him creating excellent strategies. And we've seen him execute in the ring very, very well. So I think he's got as, as much of an advantage as any fighter who can have, who hasn't necessarily been fighting regularly going up against a guy like Drew Dober, who has, you know, been in, in the ring more often than Makachev at this point. That's a good point, Miles, because even with the uh, Connor and Poirier fight, Mike Brown, who's Poirier's head coach, was the one who told him to go after the calf, attack the calf, and go and go ahead with the calf kicks. And I love Poirier, that. Yeah. Like, yeah, like I said before, Poirier executed that to perfection, and that played the biggest factor in that fight. That took away Connor's power. It got him thinking about something else, and we saw as time went on in that fight, eat like by every minute or two, you saw how much like how debilitating that calf kick was to Connor, and it took uh, probably ninety percent of his game away. And then we yeah. saw how that played out. And that's a great point that you make: how the coaches can come up with these strategies and game plans, and if their fighter can execute it, it makes a world of difference in the fight game. This is what's great about the, the the matchups is it's not just the fighters; it's also the coaches and how mm. they mm -hmm. talk to their uh, to their fighter and then get them to adjust to what's going on in the octagon. Because oh, yeah. if, if if no one's telling them to do something, they're just going to go along with whatever they were doing. But the coach will come in and be like, "Oh, you need to do this. You need to change this up," and then they go and do mm. it. It's it's like a whole camp thing. It's not just one guy against one guy. Oh, yeah. You could you could probably be the, a worse fighter than your opponent, but because of your your uh, your camp and, and then your coaches, they can make you better by telling you what you need to do, and then mm -hmm. it, it help you out in the in the fight. We got a uh, Jay saying, but he's AKA a top three organization even without Habib. He said Habib's been traveling lately and hasn't spent a lot of time in camp with Makovich. And then Vincenza said, Nuna Vincenza my, is watching you. That's my grandmother. <laughs> that, there great. you go, Bobby. There you go. The support. Go. Of course. There I told go. you guys. I told you guys. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Nice. Shoot, whenever what? I tell my mom I'm podcasting, she's like, are they paying you for that yet? Like, no, no, mom. No, mom. They're not. Not yet. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. But we're going to move on to the third fight on the main card, which is the first title fight that we have, and it's between Peter Yan and Alhamain Sterling uh, for the for the title. Was the thing in? right there for the bantamweight title? We got Peter Yan, who's the who is minus one ten, and then Alhamain mm -hmm. Sterling, who is also minus one ten. So it's an even split. How do you feel about this, Lou? Wow, even split. I, I didn't see the the odds for this fight. Um. I mean, that looks about right. That looks about right. They're both coming off. Um, you know, they're both winning. I think Peter Yen is on a 10-fight uh, win streak, and Sterling is on a five-fight uh, win streak. Um, the thing I like about Peter 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 Yan, um, he's he's just a pure striker. He's a, I like pure strikers. You know, I'm not – I've never really trained in MMA. I'm just a big fight fan. So, to me, you know, as, as coming in as a super fan of boxing – I, I like the the strikers. Um, this kid has has power. This kid will knock your head off. Um, but at the same time, he's a little bit he's rounded because he, he will take you to the ground, um, and he, you know he, he he will make you tap out too. Um, uh, he 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 looked great 
he looked great against Uriah Faber. Um, and that was when Uriah Faber was streaking. Like everybody was like, yo, you're old. But, you know, he was looking good. Uh, made mincemeat out of him. Uh, Jose Aldo, he left left him in a bloody, bloody mess. Um, so this kid is the absolute real deal. Um, you know, he he's looking, he's he's really looking to knock you out. On the other side, Aljamie Sterling, um, he's looking to 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 wear you out as well. He he's more of a, of a wrestler. He's got that ground and pound aspect to him. And I actually uh, in his last fight against Corey Sandhagen, I I picked against him. I thought Sandhagen was going to come in and use his length and just keep him at bay. Um, but you know, like we were just discussing earlier, when 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 a guy is uh, proficient at something, he's going to get it done. Um, and he ended up getting the choke on him. So this fight is a little bit similar to me as the previous fight we were talking about. We have a striker, somebody who's looking to knock you out against somebody who's looking to just wear you out. Um, and the odds are, you know, they're, they're, so, they're sort of pushy right now. They're, you know, the money is going on, on either guy. So that's really surprising. I, I would have thought that Peter Jan would have been a higher favorite. Um, but again, you, you know, Sterling is coming off five wins in a row, so you can't really uh, pick against him right now either. Um, I'm, I'm interested. I mean, this this is the fight I'm really interested in um, on the whole card because I want to see if 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 Peter Jan if if he's really. I would love to say that he's the real deal, and I would love for him to pan out as the real deal. But Aldo and Faber, the last two notable wins he has, they're you know they were kind of on the back end of their careers anyway. Um, while Sterling has been streaking against, you know, younger guys and, and you know, just people that are up and coming. So it'll be interesting to see if Jan can really um, solidify himself as as the best bantamweight on the planet right now against a, a, a more than game um, Aljamain Sterling. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm up in the air on this one, really, though, because I, I just chose the wrestler in the previous fight. Um, and on this one, I'm leaning more towards the striker. So this is the one that I'm really most interested in seeing. I got to be honest with you. Um, but this one is, yeah, this is the fight of the night for me anyway. What about you, Miles? So, so this one, man, this one's harder than the other ones, I would say for a lot mm -hmm. of reasons. So my whole, my whole bit in this is like my observations come from mostly my background in martial arts and MMA, as well as, you know, combatives and stuff. Like that's where I've spent most of my life, about 24 years at this point. So nice. my observations that I'm about to give you are based on my experience and of having trained, of having done like competitive fighting and stuff. And they might not seem like intuitive, but it's just the way I see it just based on everything I've learned. So here's the thing. So, so Pitorian, given his background, yeah, he does love to stand and trade and he's really good at it. He's got tons of mm. power in his hands. He can even do, you know, pretty decent leg kicks when he decides to, like he was doing a little bit of that with, with Jose Aldo, but then he kind of stopped. I don't know why he could should have kept going, but um, the guy's already kind of proven himself in, in the more minor leagues, like absolute championship. And, and he was a grand prix winner in that. Um, so he's also got the drive and he knows what it's like to, to work, to become a champion. You know what I mean? Uh, he's also got the other assets of a good boxer, good head movement, good evasion. And he uses that to compensate. Even when he sometimes overthrows his shots and he misses, he's not, you know, in a bad spot necessarily. He'll roll his way out. He'll slip out. He'll move. He'll cut the angle. There's a lot of things he can do to where even when he throws a bad punch and it, like bad punch in terms of it misses its mark and he would normally be vulnerable, he still slips his way out into a good position. Um, now it's, I would say he's, 
only slightly the better, like technically proficient striker, mostly because Alderman Sterling doesn't really strike all that much uh, mm-hmm. in terms of like his training background. I think he's a grappler who's picked up striking as he goes along. You know what I mean? So I think that Jan, what he has to do here is he has to be patient. Like he always does pick his shots, um, really kind of keep, uh, keep mind of his uh, takedown defense, especially against Aljamain Sterling. I don't know if he's had to worry about that as much in the past because of who he's fought. Like I thought that would maybe be something that was tested with Jose Aldo, but I guess Jose Aldo was, was good to stand and trade with him instead of try to take him to the ground. And then mm-hmm. when the exchanges did go to the ground, like Peter Yawn just kind of dominated him. <laughs> like it was very mm-hmm. one-sided. Um, and that just goes to show you, even though he's not very credentialed as a grappler, he's still got a good coach back there showing him some mm-hmm. good skills because he knows how to lead with his hips. He knows how to get those good positions. He knows how to dominate someone if they're trying to fight from their back. Um, and, and the concern would be, is Aljamain Sterling using his wrestling to use a very dominant top-heavy game? Or is he going to try to fight from his back uh, as, as you know, you would – typically learn more often in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. That's where most styles start you at. They teach you to fight from your back and front guard, a uh, half guard, things like that. So it, it depends on how he's going to utilize his grappling. Because if he tries to fight from his back, he's he, I think he's going to be at a disadvantage. Uh, because Peter Jan, we already saw what he does to a very sophisticated grappler who just comes in with the wrong grappling strategy, right? Like you can't count out his hands even on the ground. But what Arjumane Sterling has you know, to kind of counter that he's very fast. He's, he's very light mm. on his feet. He's quick to move. Um, his punches are quick and his, his kicks have power. Um, but again, I don't think he spends as much time striking in terms of his background. So he's learning as he goes, he's getting better. I don't think he can match Peter Yan yet in terms of proficiency or in terms of power. Um, but he's a fast starter. And I think that's going to play a big part here. Um, it's going to be, uh, it's going to come down to does Arjamain Sterling come out, start fast, get the work done that he needs to do to get ahead in the cards or get closer to a submission to wear him out, you know, in that first round, how tired is he on after that first round? Is he more susceptible to takedowns in the second round and third round and so on? Right. Or is he not doing the work he needs to do? Is Peter Yan dominating him even on the ground with his punching and, you know, just creating these ground and pound situations that are in fact kind of flipping the tables on Arjamain Sterling and wearing away at his gas tank because, Again, a gas tank issue could be happening here with a five-round fight for Arjamain Sterling, who's more used to three-round fights. So you got to add that factor in there. It's it's a new you know length of fight that he's got a, a factor in every round uh, that he's not used to is is potentially a round he could gas out and get into a lot of trouble. On top of having to absorb a bunch of heavy punches, and those heavy punches they take something out of you. You know what I mean? So I think overall. Obviously, Sihan is being the guy who's, you know, going to walk away with the, a knockout victory if that's the way this fight's going to go. But uh, Sterling has has more than enough background, and I think he demonstrated that with the Sanhagen fight, to win this by, by submission. He's got an excellent pedigree when it comes to the ground, as long as he approaches this with the correct grappling strategy. Just because you have Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt doesn't mean you'll tap the guy every time. You still have to have the strategy component, and you still have to execute it to perfection, right? Um, If it goes to a decision, I see this going either way uh, because both fighters have roughly the same number of decision victories. 
Um, if Sterling can't force you on into a grappling situation in an intelligent way and get ahead in like ground control time and successful takedown attempts to, you know, rack up the points early in the card, uh, before Jan starts to build his steam, before he starts to kind of figure out what Jan Germain or, uh, uh, Arjumain Sterling's strategy is, his tendencies, he finds his range, things that a boxer would be accustomed to figuring out over the course of the fight and adjusting accordingly. Cause those usually go 18 rounds. Like you need to be constantly learning about the guy you're fighting about if you you want to you know lead to a win a lot of the time and that's that's a skill Jan has from the background he comes from um now if this kind of goes the other way and Jan is able to fend him off for the first two rounds and all starting to gas out a little bit Jan's going to continue to build steam and i think the difference in the the fighting styles as well as when you look at the stats would point to Jan racking up points in significant striking over the course of the fight to ultimately come to a decision victory so really this is going to boil down to further to the how the first two rounds go ultimately first off uh, with this fight uh, i think uh, Jan only had the one five round fight with Aldo, and I think it went third round. I think it ended in the third round. I believe it was. Right. So, so he really doesn't have that uh, five round fight uh, gas tank either. Uh, it, he was able to luckily get that fight against Aldo, who was on a two fight losing streak, changing divisions, but all because Sterling would had just fought, and then he was basically him and Moraes at the time, who were one and two were idle, and then Cejudo, of course, he relinquished the title when he retired. And Jan basically jumped up from four to one, uh, and then mm-hmm. I think Aldo started out five. So they basically had the four-five matchup for the title, which is very, very odd for that to mm-hmm. happen. Um, other than Aldo, just like you said, Jan has only fought his other two big-time fights were Jimmy Rivera, which he won by decision. And then Uriah Faber, which is the fight that he won right before the title fight. Then you had Sterling, who his last four fights, he beat Cody Stammen by submission, Jimmy Rivera by decision, Pedro Munoz by decision, and then the Corey Sanhagen fight in the first round by rear naked choke. So I I think that's why it's more of like an even, because even though Jan had that 195-strike dismantlement of Aldo, Sterling has had more harder fights. He he's fought four guys in the top ten, uh, two in the uh, two that were at the time were in the top five, and then since has p- pushed out. And then Sanhagen, he's I think he's ranked number two now, uh, behind uh, Sterling. So there, this is going to be a matchup of styles where I'm going to see Jan, who you wouldn't know it, but he's another Habib guy. He trains with mm. them. It's him, mm. Makovic, Habib. He just doesn't use that Samba that much because of his high high volume of striking. He likes to use that striking game more than he does the Samba. For him, he's going to want to get that going because the more strikes he lands, the more like he'll get ahead on the scorecard. The sneaky thing with Sterling, though, is his leg kicks. He does the wrestling. He's going to get him down, but he he's pretty tall for the division. And then he has those long legs. So he, he has added that to his game since he's been in the UFC. He, right. he usually uh, leg kicks the guys and then sets them up for a takedown. What he has to watch, though, is Jan knows that, and then he usually follows up his opponent's leg kick with his own leg kick. 
He usually checks it out with his own to kind of wash it out. And I feel like if Sterling could get this fight to the ground or to, to the cage, I feel like he, he's at the advantage because he can limit the, the striking of Jan. That's his bread and butter. If he gets the striking going, this is going to be Jan all day. But if he can limit that, get him to the ground, and keep it down within like the, the total fight, the striking-wise for Jan to like 60, 70, I feel like uh, Sterling has a great chance with his size, his body, and then the legs. I, I either see this going Jan by a second-round knockout, or I see Sterling by decision. Uh, if I had to go like j- just bet-wise, uh, like I'm going with Sterling all day, just because I feel like it, with his uh, background, with who he's fought, he has that pedigree of fighting top guys. Where Peter Jan, his number one was Aldo, and then Aldo was known for his leg kicks, and he doesn't even use them anymore. That's why you mm-hmm. see Aldo losing all the time now. He used to have those leg kicks, and he he kicked the guy like 15 times. And the guy would just like his legs would be done. And then ever since since he got popped by McGregor, I feel like he's been too afraid to go with the leg kicks anymore. I don't know what it is. He's just gotten away from his dominant game plan that won him the the championship at the time and made him a dominant pound for pound fighter. He's not the same anymore ever since that McGregor fight. But for me, I'm going to go with the. Sterling by decision if I had to pick one route, but don't be surprised if Jan gets the uh, gets the striking going. He could knock out Sterling. So I love what Miles said and how he related it to his own training, and in a way I can relate it to my own training. I feel like Sterling is a wrestler that's learning striking as he goes. So I feel like he's so – and even I saw this in the face-off. I feel like Sterling is so reliant on his wrestling and reliant on his – ability to take down Jan that it's kind of going to mess with him a little bit if if he can't. If you can't get Jan on his back, you, listen, Jan, Jan works with gold medalist wrestlers, works with, like d said, like works with could be, works with those guys here and there. So his takedown defense is going to be proficient enough to be able to stop Sterling's to a point. So if Sterling can't get him down, I feel like I feel like the odds go way in Jan's favor there. And then if Jan can push the pace and get his striking going, and then kind of what he did to Aldo, and then if if Sterling loses some of that, like that some of that pop, and then loses some of the speed on his takedowns, it's going to be a lot easier for Jan to prevent Sterling's takedowns. And then he can do what he did to Aldo, where he kind of gets on top of him, he pressures him. He's going to have he's going to have Sterling tired, kind of like he did Aldo, I believe, and he's going to start ground and pounding him for long periods of time. And it's not going to it's not I don't think it'll go in Jan or not Jan's favor in Sterling's favor, to be completely honest. Just because, like, I can relate it to myself. Like, Sterling is a wrestler who's learning striking. My my thing, all my training has been in kickboxing and boxing, and I recently started learning wrestling and jujitsu. So I feel like if you put someone in a situation that they're uncomfortable with, not necessarily that I'm uncomfortable with Sterling's uncomfortable with striking, but if you get them in a position where they're not as proficient, I feel like that creates a lot of problems, and I think Jan's going to exploit those problems, and I think he gets the win. I think it'll be a late, like, TKL, like, fourth or fifth round. Mm-hmm. 
I think the other thing to consider here is that just because Sterling can wrestle him up against the cage doesn't mean that's free. That exchange is going to cost him something. Not only is it going to be energy, but he's going to get hit. And those hits are heavy and they add up. And so eventually I think what's going to happen is Sterling is like, ah, shit, this isn't working out for me. It better go back to striking. That's a bad idea. Don't do that. Exactly. You don't want to stand Trevor Yan. Right. (laughs) You're kind of between a rock and a hard place. Like I know Yan is the champ, but I just feel like you have to take it into – consideration the fact that that the top guy that he's far has been out of on, on his way on the decline so i feel like his the people that he's far he, he has one of course but i feel like i get that advantage to sterling because he's far four guys in the top 10 so to get to this point so i feel like he's more ready to be able to win this uh, compared to like uh, another guy uh, who would who be put in this place, like Aldo, who's on the way down. Uh, sure. I think that that's yeah. why they have it minus 110, because even though Jan's mm. the champ, and of course his striking is just out of his word, he's one of the three guys, only guys I know that can get up to 200 strikes in a in a fight. Him, Covington, and uh, Max Holloway. Those those guys are high-volume mm. strikers. Uh, they, sure. they they do that just to get ahead on the scorecard, but it, sure. just like you said, even though Sterling is learning striking, he has several aspects to his game that are beneficial to him in this fight, and he can use his past fights where he's fought guys with different game plans to his advantage because he has fought a bunch of uh, wrestlers and, and strikers, uh, where he has the more polished. Uh, record than Jan. Mm-hmm. That's why this cl- fight is so close because they both have their pluses and of course their minuses. Mm. Like it's going to come down to if Jan could get the striking going and get way ahead mm. on the scorecard, or if Sterling could get the the wrestling going, or just yeah. limit him. It, if Sterling could get up close, it's either if he gets up close or if he can stay from distance. I kind of hope that he stays a distance away, used his legs, kind of like what Gon did with the. It's a lot different. I'm just going with the with his game plan, staying within mm-hmm. distance and then going in and going back out, uh, like he Gon did with Rosenstruck. It, it's a lot different because those are heavyweights, but he has that long length. Uh, at uh, at at this division, whereas Sterling, whereas Jan's kind of small, I feel like he's kind of small, but he's quick. Sure, sure. he, he but, needs to use but, his long legs. Hmm. Uh, I feel like a, a lot, like often he needs to get him going, uh, go back and forth, keep moving. We don't know if he's going to gas out because he hasn't. He he, hmm. he hasn't done a five round fight, but then out of uh, Jan, where he hasn't either because he only went three rounds in the five round fight. But the thing is, though, that if Sterling stays on the outside, um, you know, that would favor Jan because Jan mm-hmm. is looking to strike you. But yeah. what Sterling wants to do is grapple you and take you down. So he wants to be close and get that clinch um, and take you down. But I was also going to say that ready, um, you know, ready is relative when we look at the records because, yeah, Jan hasn't doesn't have the names or the star power on his uh, resume. But at the same time, the old adage, um, you know, from the NFL, you got to play who's on the schedule. Yeah. Right? It doesn't matter if – if they're, they have two wins, three wins, and you're the 14-win New England Patriots. How often do we see that? Yeah. Um, yeah. You play who you, who, who's on the schedule. And if you dominate them like you're supposed to, that's a metric of how good you are. So Jan, while he doesn't have the star power on his resume, he's looked dominant. 
you know, he he decimated Uriah Faber, who again was coming, was had a comeback fight, was looking great. He was the praise of, of the MMA world, and he completely dominated uh Jose Aldo. You know, so it's it's not like they were close fights. He that he he, he dismissed who he had to dismiss, you know, and yeah. we can't really knock him for that. Um, but at the same time, you know, uh, 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 um, Sterling doesn't want to stay on the outside. I don't think he wants to stay on the outside. No, I think <laughs> I think he's going to want to just come in and press and take yeah. that boy down and ground and pound him because one right hand from Peter Jan and it's lights out. You know what I mean? So yeah. you know. Yeah, just re just remember yeah. his last yeah. fight, Sterling's last fight, he, he uh, dominated Sanhagen, got him with the yeah. the, tri the triangle choke. Mm -hmm. Sanhagen yeah. just. Need uh need Edgar out of the fucking UFC for all we you know with the, with how he, he was saying he has been on the rise uh, yeah, right now absolutely. he's ranked number two Rivera and Munoz the other two fights uh they just had a, a fight of the fight of the night uh, uh like honors with each other where they're shown uh, where Munoz is going back up and then just so him Rivera got hit with the calf kick of course. Which mm -hmm. has been a big thing the past <laughs> yeah. couple oh, months. Yeah. So, so it's so like two things I want to piggyback on here. Number one, you keep hearkening back to who our Jermaine Sterling has beaten as if it, it builds him up. But here's the thing. Uh, one of the very first well, like you're saying he's more prepared because of who he's fought, right? No, it's just like his that's style. The basic... Yeah, I think his style works. Well, no, you great keep talking about young. who he's already fought, though. Like you, you talk about like the last three or four matches he's already had. Yeah, but then and you did so but well. But then you talk and then about Peter Yan, not so much. But then you talk about him needing just the wrestling game, and then mm -hmm. not being able to stand on the outside. I feel like he could stay on the outside because he has the length. Yan has small, sure. small hands. Like arms, strategically, so he, has yeah. this, he has to get up close to, uh, to Sterling the land is where Sterling could just stay on the outside, kick him with the leg kicks, come in, come back out. That's why he has the mm -hmm. length. He's is taller, and, and I feel like he can use that. He doesn't have to stay. Close. But he's just picking up striking though. There's a technical proficiency mm -hmm. element to that. That that's an issue. Like just because you have the build to be able to hit someone before they can hit you, that doesn't mean very much if you're not technically proficient enough to make that happen. There's right. a huge gap. Uh, back when I was, you know, doing uh, full contact uh, Kyosha Keen style fighting, where it was mostly like body shots, you don't hit to the face so much. But a lot of time, you see, got taller guys, longer guys tend to have the advantage until they come up with against somebody who gets past that range, and then they run out of answers real freaking quick. Especially mm -hmm. if the guy who gets past the range has a lot of power behind it, then they're in a whole world of trouble because now it's endurance versus endurance. Yes, they could deliver that punch, but if there's a skill gap, which there is, Jan is is heads and shoulders a better uh, uh, puncher than Arjamain Sterling. There's no question about that. He's the more technically proficient striker. He's the more powerful striker. I agree. So that's the thing. Arjamain Sterling can have the range, but I don't think he has the technique to use it yet. He's definitely got hands and feet to set up takedowns, which is what he needs to do. But again, those aren't going to be free. So it's a question of can he capitalize and do what he needs to do on that. And, you know, if I was young and I was looking at Arjamain Sterling and all the people he's beat, like San Hagen, he, he choked him out on all that. That's cool. But you're fighting the person who shows up at the ring that night, not the person yeah. who's 
collected all of the heads consecutively before, right? Like when I used to, again, when I used to do Kyoshu Keen uh, full contact stuff, you would literally, like all the fighters would sit along the outside of the ring for the entire tournament. And so the if you got into like the top four, you watched the other three guys you're fighting against beat the crap out of everybody else. Mm. And in your mind, you're like, that's who I have to fight. But when you step into the fight, you don't think about like, oh man, he beat up like six guys before he got to me. And that, that looked really tough. You go, okay, so I've seen this guy fight a, a few times. I've kind of got a feel for what I was watching. And of course they're watching each other at this point. That's part of coaching is you look at the strategies and you de develop the, uh, or you look at the tendencies, develop strategies, and teach your uh, fighter to execute them. So I don't think Jan's going to be psyched out necessarily about who he's beaten. I don't oh, even no, necessarily no. think it it even matters all that much. Like, Arjumane certainly could beat 100 people, but if he comes up against Jan with the wrong strategy, he's going to lose every time. So it comes down to is does he come with the right game plan, and can he pull it off? I, think I just, that really I just think that the, the fact that you feel like it's like a head and shoulders, like a... It, it, favorable in Jan's favor. I don't think it is. I think it's more well, one like category a, when it comes uh, to striking specifically, not, like not the striking. grappling, just saying, that's a whole different conversation. I'm just yeah. saying in general, like when lost, like who's favorite, there's a reason mm -hmm. why they're 50, 50 right here. Sure. And I think one that's big true. thing, which we actually haven't uh, mentioned is the fact that Aldo's defense isn't at that great. He got rocked by mm -hmm. Aldo early on in that fight. And then he had to come back from that to beat Aldo. It, like he doesn't have the defense that some of the other guys have. And I feel like you don't have to have great striking to just rock a guy. Uh, if he can hit him the right uh, way, he can get him going and then get that wrestling game going. Well, I mean, you do and you don't. Because, I mean, if you're naturally powerful, that's one thing. Like, that was Big Country. Remember Big Country? Yeah. That's the only reason he hung around for so long is because he was a big dude and he could, like, swing. And just sometimes they you. connected. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when those punches did connect, they, they were effective. He but just again, had there's a last skill draw, game. though. There's that's, a big yeah. difference yeah. between Aldo and Aldo Mainstone, I'll tell you that. Yeah, I, I still yeah. favor Sterling because, uh, because of his uh, wrestling. I, I don't think Jan's going to be able to defend it. I really don't think he will be. I think are, we allowed, are we allowed to bet sandwiches on these, on these shows? <laughs> are we allowed to bet sandwiches? I want foot-long <laughs> subs. Foot-long subs. Hey, if I you want. want Italian. You know, I, I just meatballs. don't see how... <laughs> yes, just, the meatballs from Wildwood are amazing, by the way. Not a plug, yes. but listen. I just had but, one today, uh, so... I see. <laughs> hmm. We'll talk... We'll, we'll debate. We'll talk, we'll talk later about this, this, yeah. this bet, because I got you I got you. Yeah. Okay. But uh, <laughs> we'll move on to the next one. Uh, we did that one for a while. But uh, by the way, yeah. Right on this one. <laughs> they show you how, how good this card is that we're an hour in and we, right. we've only talked about three parts. This card oh, is yeah. amazing. You know what I mean? So, we're not even to the meat and potatoes yet. Yeah, no, we're still not got even the main close. Course coming. <laughs> <laughs> but, but now we got the co main oh, event, which is the women's featherweight title fight between Amanda Nunez. Who is the minus eleven hundred favorite versus Megan Anderson, which know, is the crazy. plus seven hundred <laughs> underdog? Good luck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you this, first, Lou. This is as uh, close to uh, in WWE terms uh, for Megan Anderson. She. This is as close to a jobber <laughs> as you're going to get in the UFC. Um, <laughs> what is there to say about Amanda Nunez? Um, she is with, without question the greatest woman that has ever fought. Uh, she's actually on a, on an eleven win fight streak. Um, you know she's she's beat everybody: Shevchenko, uh, uh, Ronda Rousey, uh, Misha Tate, 
Um, <laughs> look at that comment. <laughs> That's hilarious. She beat everybody. She's beat. Um, she beat everybody. She's beat them all. Uh, the cyborg, you know, and and it's it's interesting because um, she's looked rather pedestrian in her last two against uh, Spencer and and Durandamy, but pedestrian uh, for her is just not knocking you or choking you out. They, they've gone to decision, um, you know. So I, I said this the last time that she fought. When is Amanda Nunes going to come back down to earth a little bit? Um, but I just I don't see it whatsoever. She's going to retire the champion. Um, you know, because there's really who, who else is there for her to even fight? That's notable. You know, she she the la her last loss was to Kat Zingano, and she's not coming back to the UFC anytime soon for to get that that loss avenged. So I mean, this woman's a beast. A a minus eleven hundred, might as well be minus two thousand, to be honest. The odds, uh, but you know, uh, Megan Anderson, their the, the common opponents are Holly Holm and Felicia Spencer, who again. Uh, Amanda Nunes just outright dismissed. So this is, you know, this this is this has got to be some sort of mandatory challenge. Something you have to defend the, the title just to keep it, because um, she wants to remain the champ champ. Um, but at either division, there's there's nobody else for Nunes. This is, you know, I, I, now I hope she doesn't look past her, because again, we keep harping on this. This is MMA, and at any time, one right hook can end it all. Um, but unfortunately for Megan Anderson, I really don't see it. She's three and two in her last five. Um, you know, pass on Megan Anderson. What else can I say? What about you, Miles? Yeah, this this matchup has me scratching my head like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not quite sure who, who thought this matchup was a good idea, but damn, poor Megan Anderson. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. Jesus. So, yeah. so Amanda Nunes, not only does she have the experience, she's got an excellent background. She's got like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, Judo brown belt, all the boxing stuff she's learned. Mm -hmm. Like she's just a very well-rounded, very highly skilled fighter. She's not only mm -hmm. got a great background, she's she's got an excellent amount of experience. Like how many fights has this lady had over the course of her career? How many really tough opponents has she had who some of them, she just dismantled outright. And then some of them, she had to strategize a little more and, you know, those went to the decision and stuff, but she still won. Like there's a mm -hmm. reason she's, she's holding two titles right now. You know what I mean? Um, and, and the way her thought process works in her training really shows. And I think that's a big part of why she wins. Like uh, when, when she was taking the, the cyborg fight, I remember reading a thing where she was, uh, she wanted to sort of like delay that from happening. She didn't want to rush into it because she wanted to gain muscle instead of fat in order to to move up to the uh, featherweight division to do that fight or wherever it landed. I, I just read the article, but she did a lot of like powerlifting, weightlifting to get stronger as she got heavier, not just get heavier for the sake of getting heavier to make the fight happen. You know what I mean? Right. So she's got that that mentality, that philosophy down, um, and and. I mean, <laughs> what is Megan Anderson really bringing to the table? I mean, she was an interim Victor featherweight champion before she entered the UFC. So, I mean, okay. But then here's the thing. She's got crazy range because she's like six feet tall. You know, right. most women in that division are like five, seven on average, five, six. So she's like a giant in the division and she has a ton of range and, and she does have a ton of striking power. Uh, I think part of that is, is part of her build. The other part is, of course, her Muay Thai background where they teach you all about power. Um, so, I mean, she's a good power striker. But here's the thing. When you look at how she fights. 
um, she relies on that range quite a bit in order to keep her opponents away from her and land those big power shots. Um, she's got decent wrestling ability and takedown defense, um, but her ground game is nowhere near what it's going to be. It's it's not nearly good enough to deal with Amanda Nunez. You know, even her wrestling ability, I don't think is good enough to deal with Amanda Nunez on a lot of on, in a lot of categories. So then when you watch how she fights other fighters in the past, you know, when she's fought, uh, you know, people who are still fairly green, still fairly new to the division, um, she would, you know, use that range to knock them out pretty quick. But then the question is, well, what happens when you find someone who can get past that range? Does she, you know, can she still hang? And, and then you saw Holly Holmes, you know, outside of that, that range, she was getting hit. So she made some adjustments, got inside that range, put her on the ground. And as soon as Megan Anderson didn't have that range advantage, she couldn't place those power shots anymore. Then, then she pretty much Holly Holmes just took her apart after that. Same thing mm -hmm. happened with uh, with the Spencer fight. She was getting hit at, at the punching range, and then she, you know, problem solved, got in close, ended up choking her out because it's a range thing. I think that once Amanda Nunes finds that range and she starts learning how to slip in and out of it. That's pretty much all she wrote, because then that's that's the one thing Megan Anderson has coming into this fight, and the minute you take it away, it's like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that goes everything, you know? So yeah. as far as I see it, this is kind of a clean sweep. It can be a knockout, submission, decision, whatever it is, it's going to be a Nunez victory. I want to go. I want to go, Megan Anderson, so bad, but I can't. <laughs> I just can't. <laughs> even, even, even if I give any inkling of anything, it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. But that's I, two I, sandwiches if you pick uh, Anderson, bud. <laughs> just saying. Oh yeah, two. But uh, uh, Jay ha has a point. This is the one plus that Anderson has is. Uh, her coach is James Krause, who uh, mm -hmm. uh, I I interviewed uh, Derek Minner last week, and that's his coach because they, they uh, Minner, Anderson, and Anthony Smith all train at the same gym, Glory MMA, and he's probably one of the most underrated uh, coaches in the UFC because he coaches to your strengths and like he's very detailed. He tells you what you want to do, and he's going to be in her corner. He's going to try and maximize everything that she could do and it's going to be of course based on her length because she's I, I don't know how she got into that division with how tall she is uh we got a nunez who's like five six but then you got uh anderson who's six foot mm -hmm. you know that so she's obviously going to use that i think she's going to get blown away anyway but she does have that chance where she can because Nunez is going to be punching up where she's going to be punching down, which is a little bit easier to me where she might have that one chance to get that one miracle knockout, but I'm not going to go into anything. I still think she's going to get knocked out by mm. Nunez because Nunez is just superior and everything else. And, and she's fought a who's who you look at Shevanko and how dominant she's been and Nunez beat her twice. So, right. Yeah. As much as I, I find myself a sucker for underdogs sometimes, I pick them way too much. As much as I want to pick the underdog, <laughs> I'm not going to because I'm not that stupid. I, I know, like, I feel like I feel like Anderson's just going to bring the basic kind of just like jab her way around. And then I honestly think she's going to get punched in the face for about 15 minutes. I, I just feel, I feel bad. I feel bad for her. Because I don't want to fight Amanda Nunes either. No one does. <laughs> Not at all. She's got like it, it's it's almost like a 
Khabib kind of fighter. Like they won so much, they've accomplished so much that you can't discredit them in any facet of their game. She's just going to put a pace on you and she's going to hit you very hard. And I feel like it's as simple as that, honestly. I feel like there's so much more you can think into it. Like, like, techno, like, techno, I don't even know how to say it. Like with her technical striking and all that. But I just feel like as simple as that, she's going to walk her down and just punch her in the face until the fight's over and probably round three, I'm going to say. We're going to go with that. We're going to keep it simple. What's yeah, crazy that's about is, right, man. That's that's about right. Amanda Nunes is just so um, – just, just back in on yeah. what we talked about earlier. She's just so good at everything else mm-hmm. uh, that Megan Anderson just, just has no chance unless, barring one of those uh, Anderson Silva front kicks – um, it's it's not gonna happen for her, you know, and, and God bless her. You know, she took the fight, so much respect. Like you said, um, not many people would take that fight. I will, um, and she took it. She took it, knowing that she's at a dis. I mean, as a fighter, I can't imagine you go into it saying, "Yeah, I suck, but I'm gonna take this fight anyway." So she's thinking that she has the height and she's gonna use the length. That's what she's got to be thinking. Um, you know, and there's merit to that. There is merit to that. You keep her at bay, and you could land something. Um, ish, but just Nunez is just so she's so dominant, and she has mm-hmm. she has not lost the eye of the tiger. You know, it's 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 apparent. You know, like Connor Connor has lost it. That's why he's where he's at right now. He just doesn't really want to fight right now. He's more worried about being on his yacht with his family, which is listen. He worked hard and he earned it. For him, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, he earned it. He earned everything that yeah. he has. He worked his way from the bottom, and you know, we discussed a little bit me and Bobby on the last show that that's why I'm such a big fan of his because he did it the right way. Um, but anyway. Nunez, mm. she's just so dominant. There's no, yeah. There's no more. There's no reason it's to discuss out. it further, guys. It's I think you know. It's, yeah. <laughs> See what Megan Anderson needs to do. She needs to go find uh, Steven Seagal so he can teach her the Anderson <laughs> Silva front kick, and maybe she's got a chance. No, uh, that'd, that'd be awesome. That'd be shit. awesome if he came out with her in the corner. Oh, that would be sick. <laughs> just like, okay. Here's what you need to do. Uh, when, when she comes in for a punch like this, you need to grab her wrist and then flip her on her back. Oh, you mean she's not going to fall for you? Oh, shit. There goes my whole strategy. Just try to survive. <laughs> That's awesome. That is awesome. I'm still trying to compute how uh, she, uh, Megan Anderson hasn't fought since last February. So it's 13 months she hasn't fought. Yet she earned a, a total fight by not fighting a, in a year. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> is that like, is it? Is it it's it's so bad that she's Nunez has cleared out two divisions that when you look on the rankings, the featherweight and bantamweight are one ranking system now. They don't put Rank. two different ones. Yeah. You look at the I think bantamweight. You can't and, even find Megan Anderson in the rankings. <laughs> no, there's no featherweight uh, like, rankings. So I was like, yeah. where is she even landing all this? Like the bantamweight like, is empty. The rankings are empty, yeah. and then they have all the fighters in the featherweight. So it's like. I guess they're just like it doesn't matter who she faces, she's gonna win. So we're just gonna put him in featherweight, you know. Like she is the division. That's yep. There you go. And we got a Jake commenting. Lol, Steven Seagal, and then asking if Silva had that worked. <laughs> I remember hearing the uh, the what was it the Joe Rogan segment when he was talking to Anderson Silva. He's like, "Oh, Anderson Silva's such a nice guy." He'd be like, "Oh yeah, he's very nice. He taught me a lot of things. Very good guy." But in reality, but you know, Steven Seagal probably showed up and like sort of showed him some bullshit. Anderson yeah. Silva's like, "Oh, I love your movies." You know, like, that's, that's probably how that went. That sounds about right. It's got to be how it worked out. Uh, Jay has oh, a good God. point. He says. I need Shavanko three. So Shavanko Nunez three. That would be interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. 
Nunes has already beat her twice, but like it's mm-hmm. like she had the best chance right now to beat her. Yeah, Shevchenko <laughs> gave her a good fight too. It's not yeah, like she's been she got rounded then as well. The, the mm-hmm. one, the first fight was close. I, mm-hmm. I believe it was. Was it the first fight that was close, and the second one wasn't? I know one was um, close. I don't remember. I'm not sure. The second uh, one went to decision. Right. I believe might... one of them was a split decision. I believe. Um, yes. Sure. Actually, weren't they both? Hold on. I think they, they were both. They were both decisions. decisions. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. One of them was split. You're right. And then the other one yeah. was unanimous. I think he, two he said, was unanimous. He said one fight was questionable. Yeah. yeah. Probably the split decision. Mm-hmm. He said he had Shabenko in one of those. Which, once you yeah, split decisions, so some people did. But uh, we'll move to the main event of the of the evening, which is let's do it. Yep. All right. Which is the light heavyweight title fight between Jan Hovich, the champion, who somehow is the underdog at press two hundred, against Israel Adesanya, who is the minus two forty favorite as the challenger. Wow. What do you think, yeah. Blue? I think I think those odds are right. I think that. Um, Blahovitz is making his first title defense, um, you know, and, and he's a, he's a beast. What can you say? Um, he, he's going to knock you, he's going to knock you. I've got KO power in both hands. Um, his kicking game is, is, is great. Um, this, this guy's a beast. This guy's a beast. He's hot right now. Um, the last time he fought, last time he lost, wasn't, wasn't it to, um, oh my God, Tiago Santos, right? Tiago Santos yeah. knocking the hell out. Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. Yep. Since then, though, he's been streaking. He got his title shot, and he he did the most with his opportunity. Um, you know, I, I I like him in this fight. Um, let me rephrase that. I like him. I like his chances in this fight. However, you gotta go. You gotta go out to Sonya right now. This this dude is an all around fighter. He's the closest thing that we have um, to a John Jones um, fighter. Where John Jones could wrestle you, he'll knock you out, he'll take you down, he'll kick you, he'll elbow you, he'll do any, he'll do any and everything better than you. Abisania has that about him. Um, you know, the the only thing I've I've noticed in in his fights is that he's open to he's open to a lot of punishment. He can he's taken punches to the face. He he's gotten swall you know swollen up a little bit. Um, so he is susceptible to to stuff like that. Um, however, this dude is such an all-around fighter. Um, he's gotten hit. He's got a, 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 a super tough chin. Um, you know, he, he'll, he'll throw elbows with you. He'll do it. He'll, he'll do everything possible to win the fight. Um, you know, and his mouth, I'm not a big fan of because he's real douchey. He comes off as a real douche. Um, so I'm, 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 my heart (laughs) is hoping for a blow of it to just, you know, knock his socks off. But, you know, the, the realist in me. It's got to go Adesanya here because he's, you know, he's twenty and zero in 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 MMA right now. He's he's just on another level. He's he's on another level, um, and you know the UFC wants that super fight to happen with him and John Jones, um, and we'll probably talk about that in a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. But how awesome would that be for him to be the the the, the champ champ to face the what we're assuming is going to be the heavyweight champion, John Jones, when he gets his little title shot, that would be the biggest fight in the history of the UFC. Both guys have been going back and forth. Um, so it, it, it would be, it'll be a fantastic fight to see, but for this mm-hmm. one, um, Blahovitz, um, he's, he's, he's an awesome striker. He's got power out the wazoo. I just, Israel Adesanya, he's such a well-rounded fighter. He does everything so well. Minus, you know, he, he's susceptible to, to taking a little bit of damage. Um, he's 
you know, he's just he's just so good right now. So I think these odds are right where they're supposed to be. Um, <laughs> I love that. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That be- <laughs> That's funny. He did get knocked the hell out. That was that was funny to watch too. But like, yeah, he's a douche. I, I really don't like him. I mean, I, I haven't met him, so I can't say I don't like him personally. But he's a real mm-hmm. douche from his public persona, and he's a, he's he's accepting it. He's taking and running with it. Um, but he's just like I said, he's just so well rounded in every aspect of the game. I it's I can't I can't pick against him in this fight. Not against Blahovitz. I I just can't. Before I go to Miles, just imagine if he uh, wins this and he's the double champ, and then he has, a, and then he would have the chance to be a triple champ. Oh, that'd be ridiculous! Uh, that that would be crazy. He would be able to do something that I, I don't think anybody has ever done, being a three a three division champion. That oh, would that him, would be that would put him down as the all time great if he was able to do that. I don't care what anybody says. If you yeah, can have three belts be... at once, you're the best. <laughs> Absolutely. And then he'd have to move up again to heavyweight to make that fight happen coming from middleweight. Oh, yeah, that would be, you know, I'm I'm, I'm salivating to see that fight. Um, <laughs> and then for those stakes would be amazing. But, you know, again, going back to this fight, Blahovitz, he's got he's he's great. He's he's a fantastic fighter. Got knockout power. Um, You know, he's got good defense. So he's not I'm not giving him as little chance as we're giving Megan Anderson. Um, But. <laughs> You know, Israel Adesanya, he's just, he's too good right now. You know, and there's no way around it. He's just too good. What about you, Miles? So, so real quick, Lou, uh, uh, Adesanya going for the triple belt or, or meatball sub sandwiches, which has you salivating more? Oh, good question. <laughs> good question. <laughs> you know what? I'm going meatballs because he's a douche. How about that? Yeah, no, I, I feel that. <laughs> meatballs are not douchebags. That's the thing. They're just little exactly nuggets. right. They make me happy, <laughs> Miles. They make me happy, you know? Unless they give you the shits, then they're little douches. But yeah, I'm not. <laughs> oh god! All right. <laughs> so, <laughs> god damn it! All right, so, with this fight, setting setting food aside for one minute. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, in this fight, I have here are my concerns. Uh, number one, Jan Jovic is is a really good grappler. He's he's actually mm-hmm. like an underrated grappler. I think he's got a Brazilian jiu-jitsu back black belt. He can you know wrestle with the best of them. Uh, he is a slow starter, though. You know, in, in his punching, yes, it's powerful, but there is a proficiency issue there. Uh, mm. But he tries to make up for it with good evasion and movement and stuff like that. And then on the other side, you got Adesanya, who had a very successful kickboxing career before he ever stepped into the UFC. And ever since, he's just been refining his craft and getting better. So obviously, he's the more technically proficient guy in this fight, even if he's not necessarily the more powerful striker. I would say that's probably still Jan, just due to the fact that he's bigger uh, in a heavier weight class. And Adesanya didn't bulk up to you know make the weight for this division. He's just fighting for what, uh, what he's already at, like 180-something. So right. just by virtue of Jan Jovic being a decent striker and just being bigger, he's going to have heavier punches. The problem is he's going to have an issue landing them, right? Um, now, Israel Adesanya, the, the chink in his armor is his his grappling ability, his ground defense. I mean, he can wrestle okay, um, but when he gets to the ground, uh, he can problem solve. He can problem solve, but he's mm-hmm. not like going to be <laughs> tapping anybody out anybody soon, you know, uh, anybody uh, like choking him out. You know what I mean? That's not really his skill set. His skill set lies entirely in his hands. So... I think this this reminds me so much of the Paulo Costa fight, and I said it then, and I'm gonna say it again. If Jan Jovic plays to his to his strengths and Adesanya's uh, weaknesses, he's got a real shot here. But if he goes into this like Paulo Costa, like no, 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 I want to stand and strike. 
that's where he's going to get himself, you know, in, in a real tough situation yeah. because yeah, he can land those big heavy strikes, but he creates big holes in his guard when he misses. And you can't do that with a guy like Adesanya, who's got the technical proficiency. He's, he's got all the experience, you know, in the world with his kickboxing and he's learning as the fight goes on. So he's getting better. Every time you screw up, he just learns something new about you to use against you later. So, I mean, Yes, when yeah, he's got cinder block for hands. That's funny. Uh, when Jan Jovic connects, that that definitely means something. But he's going to have to approach this in a very intelligent way. So that's why I see it as a, a knockout victory could go either way. It really depends on how the first two rounds of this fight goes. If Adesanya is able to have a fast start, get to work early, wear down Jovic before he, you know he has time to build up steam. And Adesanya, you know, works on him, works on him, works on him. Those punches can add up to a KO, especially if he can stay out of the way of the big, heavy punches that Jan is throwing. But on the other hand, if Jovic uses his superior wrestling and ground fighting ability to put us Adesanya against the cage, get some takedowns, wear him down on the ground where he is mostly just lost. He's just trying to tread water. He doesn't have an advantage over Jovic. Um, if he can utilize that and really wear down Adesanya, especially with some ground pound, those, you know, close range elbows, like even if the guy's, you know, on bottom and guard, you can still throw elbows. Hell, even if he's on top of you, you can still find a way to throw something. And Jovic would be landing more power in that exchange than I think Adesanya would be. And then in the later rounds, if he wants to stand and, you know, maybe wear him down with some heavy punches, he can do that, but he's got to play to his strategies. Um, and, and really I, for Jehovich, I'd be trying to make this like a, a TKO via like a ground and pound if it was going for a knockout victory, but he's also got a real shot at a submission victory because he's got the background and he's got more training in that arena than, than Adesanya could possibly catch up to, you know, at this point, he's only like a, I think a Brazilian jiu-jitsu blue belt. There's no way he can close that gap in time for this fight. Um, if it goes to decision, uh, I think all the stats and Adesanya's fighting style, again, if Jehovich doesn't do the work he needs to do, Adesanya is going to rack up points on the card and all the points or all the stats are pointing in his favor as well. So I would say if it goes to decision, probably Adesanya, but, Man, Jehovich, don't don't do Apollo Costa did. That was a real bad idea. Learn from that and don't do that. <laughs> exactly. Right. Do a little bit more of what uh, Calvin Gastelum did, but not tire out. Like he mm -hmm. he had uh, Adesanya on the ropes. He he hit yeah. him a few times. Adesanya was stumbling backwards, but then Gastelum gave him too much time to recuperate from that. Then he gassed out, and then uh, Adesanya won that. He's not going to want it to be that way. Uh, I actually watched a video today of uh, Jan Hovich training. He went in, into an icy lake and then just stood mm -hmm. in there for like 10 minutes and then mm -hmm. started striking. They just had him in there striking in the in – the, I don't know how cold it was, but it was ice. It was pretty ice. Cold. Yeah. <laughs> pretty cold. Ice, yeah. Real cold. Yeah. <laughs> I, I assume he was in Poland, so – but he was standing in there striking for like a, a few minutes. And I'm like, there's no way in hell that I'm ever doing that. But this guy's doing it because he knows that he wants the win. It's crazy to think that you got, he just won the title. And then already in his first defense, he's the plus 200 uh, underdog, but it's because of the skills of Israel Adesana. They did this uh, video of Adesana where he does this movement often where he throws a strike and then right, literally right at the same time, he throws a leg kick along with it to where the, the opponent 
avoids the the strike, the first thing they think of is to avoid the strike. But then because they do that, they're in prime position for that leg kick to connect. And like it's just the mind games that he does with that. The only thing with Adesana that scares me is is when he shows up for fights and when he doesn't. Like you have the for the all the fights where he shows up with the Costa and Gasolin, where he comes out and fights. You got to fight like Yoel Romero when he just stands there uh, because he's uh, because he knows that he's Romero will get him with that one punch and then he can knock him out because he his weight difference. You, know, you got these guys that are built so bigger than Adesanya because he's like a he's like this just skinny thing. He's coming into this fight at 190, I believe it is, whereas Yehovich is coming probably in at around 205, 210. So it's going to be like a 20, 30 round, around different pound difference. Mm. With that being said, I agree where Jehovich is going to want to get uh, get up and pressure Asana, give him no, no room to move and no room to use all of his skills. He's not going to want to stand up. If he stands up, Israel Asana has got this all day because he has the speed. He, he's, he's been able to do all these five-round fights. He's got a little bit of a gas tank. He he's able to game plan for this. Whereas Jehovich is kind of like that rag to riches type uh, story. He started out one in five in the UFC, was getting ready to get cut, and then since then he's been eight and one with that one loss. Mm-hmm. He, he's improved his game game plan, and it's been a big difference. But it's like he's he's got to use his weight in this. That's his one thing. He has to use his weight to his advantage. Uh, knowing that he has th- a 30 pound difference, I get the edge still to Adesana. I think he's going to pull it out, but it, he, he needs to defend uh, the strikes better uh, than he did in the Gaslin fight. If he allows that to happen, Gaslin wasn't able to knock him out, but Jehovich will. Mm-hmm. Because, of, like he said, the center blocks for hands. But I give this, I give this Adesana by uh, decision. Like, why are the odds so high, especially for Blahovich, who's a plus 200 underdog, being the 205 champ? A few stats. Israel Adesanya's professional boxing records, 5 and 1. His professional kickboxing records, 95 and 5. And he's fought upwards of 220 pounds. So, guys that have probably 30 to 40 pounds on him at the time. And obviously, he's 20 and 0 MMA, as we know. But I think. Technically, if Blahovich wants to win this fight, you obviously, like Miles said, I believe, you can't go in with the same game plan as Costa did. It's kind of tentative. I like what Kelvin Gaston did against Adesanya and where he pressured and put his back towards the cage. One thing I see in a flaw in Adesanya's game is sometimes I catch him, he, he's so flashy and he's so fluent with his striking that sometimes he moves backwards too much and not like horizontally and doesn't move side to side laterally enough. Sometimes he gets a little, not, not cocky, so to speak, but he gets a little confident where he'll kind of just back off. He'll kind of feel himself. And I saw he got caught in the gasoline fight where he kind of didn't get knocked down, but he kind of like fell, but the cage caught him. And I think if Blahovich, I think Blahovich could knock him out if he has the right game plan and a good amount of luck. But I think he has to pressure forward and get Adesanya on his back foot, get Adesanya to be a little bit lazy and back off towards the cage, like with his back to the cage. I think he could catch him like same same thing Kelvin did. Kelvin pressured forward for a good amount of time. I don't think he hit hard enough to knock him out at the time because Kelvin was a, was a welterweight 
moved up to 185. Blahovich has the size. He has the huge power. So I think if he does have the right game plan, it does go more in his favor. But then you look at Adesanya's track record in boxing, kickboxing, and MMA, you can't bet against him, you know? If if Blahovich catches him, he catches him. Because like Miles said before, Lewis, Lewis said before, everyone in the UFC has a puncher's chance. But I think Adesanya is just going to outclass him. And I think it'll look I think it'll look similar to his fights against Robert Whitaker and Polo Costa, where it kind of just goes a little bit, feels it out, but then just you can see there's an obvious difference in the striking. And I don't see I see Jan going in with a good game plan mindset, but I see that going out the window quickly once he kind of realizes there's a little gap in that striking or a big gap, so to say. I'm curious, what what do you guys think about like, you know, the game plan is is we always talk about you know, it's 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 a recurring theme. If, if any fight, you got to have the right game plan. But how does how, how did Blahovitz get inside on Adesanya? You know, do you think that um, I don't think he's going to fear the striking power, you know, ha- coming in so so much heavier um, than than Adesanya. But at the same time, do you, do you think do you think he's skilled enough to be able to get in there um, and even be able to pressure him to the cage like that or make him take those steps back? Because I don't really I. I I, I want to see him win this fight. I really, really do. But I just think that Adesanya, you know, and it, it goes to the, the, his his demeanor in the octagon. He's gonna be. He's probably gonna have the flashes of entrance. He's gonna come in and and he's gonna be himself. And you know, is does you know? And, and when you said that he was in that lake, that that tells me that his his mentality is you know he's a stone cold killer. But at the same time, when you get in there and you get in front of the guy, it's like, well, he's a douche. Now I want to just knock that off. Do you think? he'll be disciplined enough. You know what I mean? How does how would he be able to get through that strike of Adesanya if he could? How do you think that would happen? What's crazy is, uh, what is with these fighters, uh, like like you mentioned, where they get kind of lazy and, and just move back and move their head because they're so cocky. That's what happened with Anderson Silva against Chris Wyman. He got <laughs> cocky, he was doing this, and then Wyman just popped him and knocked him out in the first fight. Uh, Adesanya does that a lot. But mm-hmm. with the fighters that he fought before, uh, we mentioned Gaslin, Whitaker, uh, Costa. It was never the same situation each time. And, and Gaslin, that, that was kind of like Gaslin's on the way down. All those guys went away from their game plans. Uh-huh. Except for Gaslin in the first two rounds. He had the game plan, but he went away with it. Partly because he got gassed out. He, he's uh, known to get gassed out because he went guns blazing right away. Yehovich uh, probably could uh, could do that right away, but I feel like he'll be more patient with it. He's not going to waste it all right away and then get on un- get unlucky uh, where Asana was against the cage or kind of kept him up, yeah. and then and then because uh, Gaslin uh, gassed out it allowed Asana time then get back into it and like get it himself together. And then he just went to his game plan because it was like gasoline was already done. He, he, he beat himself uh, before mm. that. And then he just uh, got beat. Uh, you just like you said, he's, he needs to d- stay disciplined. He needs to go in. He needs to start out early. Like he, ca- he can't be too patient. And this is a fight where he has to get going guns blazing right away. Try and get up close because Adesanya, you don't know how he's going to be against the takedown. He he's been beat by it in the past, but 
Uh, he's still one, but you don't know if he's going to be able to defend it or if it works in Jehovah's favor right away. If he could do that right away, it'll be interesting to see how Adesana adjusts to that and if his gas tank wears out because of it because of the 30 pound weight difference right because he's coming I in 190 like, yeah i feel like what you were saying earlier how a fighter's confidence especially you see it in guys against adesanya when they get in there what you were saying trying to get to the inside technically i feel like a fighter's confidence has a lot to do with that because when you get in there and you have your game plan you want to get to the inside you want to box you want to get them Going like towards his back towards the cage, get him on his back foot. When he comes in there and he's such a high level striker, when he starts popping you with jabs and he starts hitting you with right hands, he's not hitting you that hard, but he's popping you and he keeps tapping you. Then he's hitting you with kicks, and it's just you're you're very overwhelmed. Your confidence goes out the window very quickly, especially like it's difficult because these guys are all stone cold killers, especially Blahovich. And I saw it with like Paulo Costa, like he comes in, he's a big guy, he's a got heavy hands. But he gets in there, and Adesanya's real smooth. He's fluent, and he just starts popping him. And he's popping, and he's popping him, and you kind of see he almost has a like almost like it's almost like a mental block to be completely honest. Where he's like, if I let my hands go, I'm gonna get caught. So it's kind of hard for those guys to like trust themselves and let their hands go. We've seen it time and time again with Adesanya's opponents, where they're kind of they kind of lack that confidence once they get in there. Yeah, no, this this is going to be just as much a test of Jehovah's coach as it is of him, because mm-hmm. once you can game plan all you want, but there's the other side of that equation is your fighter going to do it. And once mm-hmm. you show up, if your fighter's not doing it, you as the coach, it's on you to go do whatever you need to do to make him do it, whether it's harken back to a, a thing that happened in training or like slap him in the face real quick and be like, all right, are, are we here to win? Or like, what well, what's going on? Do we come out here to lose? Like what's What's the game plan, right? So, yeah, I think that the coach is going to have to be very, very on Jehovich and really push him to, I guess, what in Jehovich's mind would be take chances, right? Like let the hands go a little bit more, uh, uh, create some feints, create some fakes to close distance, get into the takedowns, put Adesanya in a place where he's generally uncomfortable because that can work both ways. If mm. Adesanya is not able to keep him in striking range and he finds himself in these grappling situations that Jehovich is generally better prepared for, I think that's going to that's gonna affect him mentally as well because, again, he's got kind of the douchey, like, oh, I'm the best, you know, sort of thing. And mm-hmm. the minute you touch that, it kind of it fucks with him, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think there's the other thing here is is the training that goes into this it's easier for Adesanya to find a fighter that would better prepare him for for Yehovich than it is for Yehovich to find a training partner that'll prepare him for Adesanya you know what I mean Adesanya is a hard guy to to find a training partner who will emulate unless his style you got enough John Jones you. but yeah, <laughs> yeah. he doesn't have John Jones <laughs> yeah. he doesn't have John Jones <laughs> so yeah, that, that that's definitely true because like he's just uh, just a specimen of himself. It's it's hard mm-hmm. to find a guy like I said, mm-hmm. unless you're lucky enough to have John Jones there because yeah. he's the closest guy that reminds me of him, and mm-hmm. then the one guy that had a great game plan for it was Dominic Reyes, but then he lost that by decision, and then shows shows up a few months ago, and then just. He basically didn't show up. Like, like in my head, I'm like, what happened to this Dominic Reyes, where he had a perfect game plan against John Jones, and he comes in and then he just gets beat by uh, Jan Hovich. Granted, different matchup at different time, whatnot. Sure. But it's like, uh, I wonder if he uh, like watches any of that fight, uh, and is like, 
I see John Jones as a similar guy, and then maybe I could do some of that, but then he doesn't fight that way. So then I'm like, his the only way he can really get into this is if he gets close right away. Like the bell rings, first round, boom. He tries to get in there quickly because uh, Adesanya, he has those quick legs and his mm -hmm. quick hands. It's just like mm -hmm. he can hit you from both sides just like that, and he's really good with setting up shots. Like yeah, I said, right. he'll come in with the, uh, the hand, but then follow it up on the other side right away with the kick. He's really good yeah. at that. Like that, That's his bread and butter. But yeah. I'd be I interested think a big to see. part of Jehovich's game is going to have to be clinch work here. Yes. Because that's Absolutely. something that, you know, even though Adesanya's got a big kickboxing career, kickboxing doesn't involve a lot of clinch work. So that's yeah. something he right. would have to be picking up as he goes along. So I think right. if if anything, that's the key here because it's the it's the bridge between getting past Adesanya's range and striking and putting him into grappling situations he's not ready for. You can work in the clinch, do your damage, land those heavy punches, then take him to the wrestling to wear him down a little bit, then put him back in clinch. Or if you get back to your feet, have a strategy to work back to the clinch. That should be home base for this whole fight if Yehovich has a chance. How do you feel yeah. about uh, uh, Adesanya's uh, gas tank if that were to happen? Do you think he'll be able to last? He won't run out of, he won't run out of gas because we've already I, seen that. We've already seen sure, that. He's, yeah. not, he's not willing. He's not going to be the he's not going to be the aggressor. He's not going to look to attack yeah. you first. He's mm -hmm. waiting to counter strike you. So I don't think he's going to be the one that runs out of gas first. Um, you know, and that's the point I was going to make too. Um, is that, you know, uh, I think Blahovitz is going to be oh. safe on his gas tank unless he falls to the walls and take him down from the first couple minutes. Um, you know, he's not, Adesanya's not going to attack you. So as long as he stays in the pocket a little bit and stays back, maybe shoots a couple jabs and tries to take down every once in a while, that would be, I think, his road to victory. Because Adesanya's not going to strike, he's not going to attack you first. You know, so I don't think necessarily Blahovich is the only one that will have gas issues if he just goes balls to the walls and just starts to take down ground and pound yeah. from the first minute of the fight he's going to be gassed by you know the early yeah. third round you know what i mean around there sure. but i don't well, see I it happening a, again you know yeah i think having a conversation about gas tank with this this matchup in particular is kind of difficult because mm -hmm. yeah. they're both they would both have a gas tank for two different things right like one of them has a gas tank clearly for long-term striking matches the other one would have more of a gas tank for the close quarters stuff the wrestling the clinch work the groundwork so i, I mean it kind of depends on who's able to put the other person in that uncomfortable position because then that's where the gas tank really kind of comes out. Like Adesanya, yeah, he can stand and trade for, you know, five rounds, but can he wrestle for five rounds? Can he ground fight right. for five rounds? I don't think he can. I think that right. would be the way to gas him out. And even if they got back to the feet, then he would be tired. Then he wouldn't be as smooth. Then he'd start making mistakes. But again, if 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 Jehovich can't figure out that clinch work key and figure out how to play put that into his game, probably going to need some leg kicks as well to hopefully, mm. you know, uh, slow down Adesanya's footwork, if anything. Uh, then, yeah, I mean, if this is a standing and trading fight, then Jehovich is at the disadvantage, 100%. All in all, though, it's going to be a very entertaining fight. Great uh, fight, absolutely. This, oh, yeah. this whole card is oh, just big loaded. It's loaded. Hopefully, I get a, a meatball sandwich out of that, but we're talking about that We'll discuss that later. So who are we picking for this fight? I don't think anybody made a pick pick. The Adesanya. Adesanya? <laughs> Man, this I'm one was tough. That's why. That's why. 
I divvy up my 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 decisions according to like how the fight will come out. So like if I'm adding up the points, you got Adesanya by victory, Yehovich by submission. KO seems to go either way, but I'm leaning towards Adesanya just because that's his thing. So that would be like a two for one. So Adesanya overall gets more categories in that in those outcomes, you know. So I, I think I think uh, yeah, I think Yehovich is going to have success early with taking him down. But I feel like he's going to get tired out. Somehow he's going to get tired out because he's going to put too much energy into that. And I see like a fourth round uh, knockout by Adesana just because of Yehovich getting tired out. And then uh, Adesana can get that uh, game going. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's going to be by a leg kick. Oh, <laughs> that's cat- kick. specific. Yeah, that's yep. specific, dude. Paul sandwich. If you're right about that, <laughs> <laughs> if you're right, I mean, listen, a calf fight, kick. If, if the light heavyweight championship ends with a calf kick, I'll buy all <laughs> you guys a sandwich. Hey, let's go. That's what I'm talking about. Either way, there there's no way that happens. There's no way. Hey, that wait a minute. Wait. So if 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 it, if it ends either way on a leg kick, I get a meatball. Sure. Sauce. That's what you're telling me. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Oh yeah. That's what I'm talking about. I'm gonna make some calls. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna have them coming Let's in with cement, uh, cement shin guards. <laughs> yeah. Make this happen. But the transition from uh, the awesome. U- UFC 259 to uh, a little bit of news. Uh, as everybody heard, uh, we had Yamzat uh, Chimaf, who Take basically it. came out and announced his retirement, or so we thought. Uh, apparently he was a, a, a little bit emotional and he was drinking a lot of wine after training. Uh, he, <laughs> oh and basically, the second tragedy involving yeah. wine in the UFC wine this week. Yeah. Yeah. I knew <laughs> someone was going to bring that up. I was waiting oh on, on that. Oh my but, God. For, but from what I heard is he, he went back to training after being put on meds. He's in Vegas now. The UFC flew him to uh, Vegas and they're treating him uh, for everything because he hasn't been the same since he caught COVID twice. I think he caught the first time, got better, but then he caught it again and he hasn't really gotten uh, fully uh, healthy from that. So they bring him in and him being a gym rat, him wanting to get in and get training going, he's doing that while he's on meds and apparently training went shit. Like he said, it went shitty he didn't feel good about himself, and then he, I guess he decided to start drinking wine, and then the next thing you know, he's going on, like, Twitter, Instagram, posting stuff about probably retiring, mm-hmm. and then they interviewed Dana White, and he's like, no, he, he's good, he's good, he's just a little bit emotional right now, he, he'll be ready by June. And then he came out and said, sorry, I was drinking wine, like, training went bad, uh, I should be fine. Uh, what do you expect from him moving forward? To stop well, drinking wine. To stop drinking wine. Absolutely. <laughs> Number, one. Number one on the list. <laughs> First and foremost. Now, I think I think he'll be fine. I think um, you know, with with this day and age with Twitter and and the accessibility we have of social media, you know, it's eventually one of these fighters or and actually no, you know, we've seen it in the past. We, Connor has retired a couple times, um, in the last year or so. Um, you know, so, so guys do this, they go online and they post things when they're feeling down and out. And if this guy was on, um, you know, he was 
drinking wine. And I think I read an article that said that he was on, you know, he was on other meds as well. And yeah. he wasn't supposed to be training. So, you know, the stress of all that and, you know, I, he had COVID and apparently he's still feeling some of the effects of the COVID. Um, so, you know, it's a lot going on in a guy's head. He's young. Um, in the prime of his career, you know, so it's 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 sad to to have heard the news that he was retiring as a fight fan, but at the same time, as a human, you know, as a care caring person for other people, you want to see him just you know take it easy, let go of the wine, take the meds, do what you got to do, feel better, and then come back. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's nine and zero right now. He's just you know he's on he's on fire. So I expect I expect him to be okay. You know, cons- pending he does what he's supposed to do. Um, I would like to see him come back personally, selfishly, but you know, guys do this all the time, and it's, you know, it's this is the age that we live in—the social media age. People are going to tweet whatever they tweet, and that's really going to be that. What about you, Miles? Yeah, I mean, I, I hope he comes out of this all right. You know, if he's even if he's on meds, there's probably a reason for that. Like, I I'm not a mental health person, so I can't even begin to you know diagnose or, or give any sort of input into what he's going through to where he mm. needs to be like medicated, and it, it would even be severe enough to like affect his training when he shouldn't be, or like if he's drinking wine and they're mixing with the medications and it's it's mm. messing with his mental state. Like, there's something going on there. Now, I hope he comes out of it because here's the thing. Um, fighters get broken mentally first before anything else. Like if a fighter stays, you know, mentally collected throughout his career, uh, even if the body starts to fall apart, if they have the will to continue, they'll keep fighting. It's when the, when their, when their will breaks, right? It's when their spirit breaks. That's when it's, it's pretty much they're on their way out. Because it's super hard to come back from that. And it sounds like, unfortunately, whatever he's going through, it's, it's bordering on that, if not maybe that exactly. Um, so I'm hoping that's not what happens to him and he comes back and, and everything just kind of evens out and he gets back to a good place um, and he, he doesn't find himself with like a broken spirit trying to come back into the ring and, and force himself to do it. Like I remember Whitaker said the same thing on why he lost the belt. He was like, yeah, I just I was starting to hate it. I was really just not mm-hmm. wanting to do it at all. And it affected his training it affected his mental state and, and it cost him the belt. Uh, Macy Barber, I think, again, is, is another example where, you know, that knee injury when she was fighting after she came back from that, she wasn't like technically improficient like you didn't see a whole lot of like physical issues i think it was mental like she was in the middle of the ring throwing jabs at nothing like i think it just put her off a little bit in her head so we'll see what happens here hopefully this doesn't you know end this this you know win streak that he's been on and you know cause him to plummet uh because i think isn't he one of the guys they're looking at to to put in the top 10 and then hopefully move up into the top five and he's he's ranked 14 and then he was scheduled to play edwards who who's ranked three so he was supposed to play next week Uh, and then they had to rebook this the same fight like three four times then this is like the habib ferguson all over again (laughs) with with these two don't even get me started on that fight. <laughs> <laughs> it was I swear, it was booked like four or five times, right? That one yeah. was booked six or seven times. I think, That's yeah. Ridiculous. That's yeah. ridiculous. That's crazy. But uh, I, I see this guy. I, th- I think he's going to be fine. I think what they're going to do is they're going to – I think that after this they told him, hey, take a week off, take two weeks off, let the meds flow, let them do their job. You're going to be better. Line. You should be fine. <laughs> uh, I would I would tell him to be like two weeks. Take two weeks because if if we don't want you to fight until June, that's three months from now. Uh, yeah. Get yourself 100%. We're going to have you booked. Uh, I, I think right now they're trying to book uh, 
Chimaf against Neo Magni. I think that's what the the fight is. Fourteen mm. against uh, the no, I think nine, yeah, yeah nine. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. uh, Magni uh, was like, I'll fight him. He was like, I want to fight him. And then as long as as long as he's right in the head, which he should be. I think part of it was just the meds. Like whenever you're drinking mm -hmm. and then you're on meds, it's never a good combination. <laughs> right, it never right. is. Yeah, I, I think I think once like he takes time out, like it like. His problem was he loves the train. He he lives in the gym, like he, he wants to keep on doing it. That's why he's so good because he trains so much. He just needs to take that on that R and R, and then he'll be fine. He'll be fine. It, he'll take that week off, get better, and then he'll get back in the training, and then he's going to be the juggernaut that he's going to be. And then hopefully in the next year or two, I can see him knock out Usman. So all right, Papa D Big, thank you for the bedtime story. I feel much better now. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like what D-Big was saying, like taking a few weeks off for this, it's weird because we see fighters who have injuries, have long-term things, take off two, three years before they step back into the cage. For this dude to take off two or three weeks seems like a pretty big deal. I feel like he kind of jumped the gun on it. I don't know if it's just his love for the sport, love for training. Mm -hmm. It's his job at the end of the day. I get it. But you have to let your body – you have to listen to your body. You can't take two or three weeks off. And then expect to be a hundred percent, especially after dealing with COVID. He's coughing up blood, and he has complications from that. You have to take your time with it. Listen, if you got to take off till, if you can't fight till December, then you can't fight till December. But you trying to force yourself back is just going to hurt your performance. It's going to hurt your career in the long term. It's going to hurt your life in the long term because fighting isn't a long term career. Most guys fight for, you see, shelf life like five or six, seven years. You have a yeah. life to live after that. So if you're trying to force yourself to come back from something that's so detrimental within a few weeks, it's just not going to work out for you. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, uh, but I think we're all in agreement. We hope he comes back, and then we hope he yeah. takes time to uh, to just get healthy. Like, uh -huh. what's two weeks of, like, uh, of training in exactly. the long run compared right. uh -huh. to using that time to get better? Because it could be the uh -huh. difference between him retiring now or him coming exactly. back and having a long longevity of a career just because he yep. took two weeks to just get his body right because some it guys makes a world of difference. yeah because some guys right. don't know how to uh, take that time off they're just like right. stubborn they're like oh I'll, I'll take a day and then i'll go back in the training instead of taking that week yeah. or two to just to get your mind right to get set up and then go in the training like right. it's That's all what about. the article i was reading said that he was on the meds and he wasn't supposed to be training yes but he went ahead and went to train anyway you know, do and then don't do that. Yeah, yeah a, you know what I mean. Not, so it's not, the, it's not just Woo. the body; it's Thanks. the mind as well. Absolutely, so. absolutely. But uh, to move on that to the next thing, which is Conor McGregor. This what's, one hurt. Oh boy, this what's hurt. Absolutely. This I already know. This one hurt me and Lou. Oh. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll do this as like a two-parter. Uh, what's next for Conor McGregor, and then how is it going to affect the lightweight division? What's next for Conor McGregor is he needs to decide what he really wants to do. Um, I mentioned a little bit earlier that he he it's seemingly like he lost the eye of the tiger, um, you know, and he's already in in his thirties now, so he's not a youngster anymore. And once you start uh, getting older in the fight game, that's when you start, uh, especially in MMA, that's when you start to lose um, your prowess that you once had. Um, he's never shown to be a a, a a fantastic fighter at the heavier weights with against the bigger guys. 
So, you know, he's he's older. He's not going to go back down to featherweight. He, his body just won't let him do that, I don't think. So, you know, the only thing, if he wants to continue to fight, he's got two choices. He's either got to rematch Dustin Poirier or rematch Diaz. There's nothing else for him because um, he's not going to fight Usman. Usman will rock his world. <laughs> Even Jorge Masvidal, you know, uh, when Dana White said he's too big for him at this point, what we've seen out of Conor, um, you know, what we've seen from Masvidal going the distance with 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 Usman. Um, you know, he Conor don't want none of Masvidal either. So it's <laughs> it's either Poirier, um, and he certainly doesn't want any of Khabib. So it's it's Poirier or 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 Nate Diaz. There's there's nothing else for him. Um, if he wants to continue fighting, um, I think personally, me personally, I think he should just hang it up. Um, he's got the uh, the promoter, um, the promotion aspect going. He's got the whiskey going. He's got, you know, he's mm -hmm. got contracts. Um, I forget what, the, what I saw a commercial with him. He was advertising, I think, what uh, Jack in the Box or something. Some he was advertising something. <laughs> I forget what it was. Yes. Um, but you know, he's he stacked his money. Um, if 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 he doesn't have that eye of the tiger anymore, he's gonna get hurt. So I'd rather not see that. Um, but he's that he definitely has lost a lot of his luster getting knocked out to Dustin Poirier. So you know, he'll get a main event. Uh, he'll get one more main event, and if he doesn't win, he's donezo. So, you know, it hurts my heart because I love, love, love Conor McGregor, but it's Poirier, Diaz, or retirement. Nothing else for this guy. What about you, Miles? Yeah, uh, so there's two questions. Let's start with the first one. What's next for Conor McGregor? I think Diaz is is the smart choice. I think uh, fans want to see it. Diaz is talking shit. So <laughs> it's, it's a, <laughs> just a good he? match. Yeah, exactly. So I think I think you know fans would would appreciate that fight more. So I think that would be the money way to go. But yeah, you're right. He's got to kind of figure out his priorities. Clearly, he was not preparing the way he needed to prepare for the Poirier fight. Mm -hmm. And I think it pissed off Dana White so bad. <laughs> like mm -hmm. I think Dana White was ready to just yeet his ass into the Rancor pit <laughs> after that, because <laughs> like, I think he was expecting like a McGregor win. And then to to basically ride out the rest of 2021 on that sweet, sweet McGregor gravy train. But then mm -hmm. that didn't happen. So now mm -hmm. he's got to kind of earn his way back into good graces. And I think the Diaz fight is the best way to do that. Uh, Diaz is on his way out anyway. So why not use him as a springboard to to get Conor McGregor back in the game? You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I think that would be the, the smarter uh, matchup to do. And then what was the second question, Debeck? Uh, I think it's going to affect the lightweight division. Uh, I skipped right past that. I'm sorry. Yeah, not not too much. I mean, <laughs> I mean, if he loses the Diaz fight, then he's just not there anymore. Because I mean, right now, mm -hmm. isn't like the top five pretty much? It's that's where it's all stacked right there. And Conor McGregor mm -hmm. is six. So I mean, he's not. I mean, I guess below him at number eight is Dan Hooker, and then you got uh, Dos Anjos and, and Paul Fiedler is at number ten. So I mean, there, there's there's guys in there below Conor McGregor who like would have a shot, but maybe you know if he doesn't beat Diaz, just move him out of the waist to give those guys a shot to rise. You know what I mean? So I don't see him having a, a huge huge impact on the lightweight division until he earns his way back into the good graces. I think that's got to be step one. And then once we get there, we can talk about, you know, the longevity of being in the lightweight division. If, if that's what he wants to do at all, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, first off, cheers. Hey, nice. cheers. <laughs> nice. Let's go. Was, uh, proper number 12. <laughs> but, uh, for me, it's, uh, he needs to be committed to fighting. Like, I feel like the past couple of years, he's had that one foot in, one foot out mentality. 
the the reason he had so much success was because he was fully committed to just fighting. He was all about the playing. He like he, he developed that uh, shit talking personality and uh, all that, but then he backed it up because he was fully committed to fighting. But then right. he retired. Kind of, he kind of retired the first time. I, I kind of blame, partly blame Dana White because Dana White kind of egged him to take that uh, Floyd Mayweather fight because it was <laughs> it worked well for not yeah. just McGregor's pocket but for the UFC. Mm-hmm. And then that's why you saw every time they had those press conferences, Dana White was all, always there. Mm-hmm. So no matter what yeah. you heard Dana White said about, ah, oh, he did that, but he needs to come back. You knew damn well Dana White was like, go do this. Go do this. this make me you. money. Yeah, make yeah. me a lot of money because yeah. it's giving UFC publicity. Yeah. He did that. He did that boxing, and I think it kind of had like a ne- a negative effect on him because if I you agree. saw if you saw his game plan and for fighting before that to afterwards, he he turned into a completely different fighter. Like you just saw the like the, the Dustin Poirier fight was a perfect example. All you saw him do was boxing. That's all he right. did. He didn't do anything else that he was known for. And he did defend the leg kick, didn't do this, didn't do that. All he did was box. And it killed him. It killed him in that in that fight. And then he, he wasn't the same. And then he has all this background stuff that just kills him with the proper number 12, all the uh, appearances that he makes. I feel like he's not putting his 100% into the training that he should because of uh, how big of a a person he's got on the grander scale, like with all the appearances, all the being uh, in the commercials, advertisements, sponsors, and everything. Mm-hmm. He like if he wants to fight still, he needs to just take a step back from all of that and then just train. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like like the next thing for him is I think it's going to be Poirier, just because that's what they're going to do. Poirier is going to want that third fight just to finish him off and get him out. But I think it should be Diaz. Uh, like I think both fighters should uh, retire personally because I think Diaz is overhyped because um, he, like, he got destroyed by Masvidal. Uh, let, let me not get started about Masvidal right now because I think he's overrated too. But uh, like... Street uh, Jesus uh, overrated? Come on, man. The dude no, just got killed. I'm just kidding. By no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> I think is likely going to rematch. But uh, yeah, like I think he, he should go for Diaz. That way it doesn't affect the division. I don't think there's anything beneficial for him to fight Poirier again unless he is fully committed. I don't think he's ever going to be fully committed to fighting with everything else distracting him. So take the DS fight. I think the way that that affects the division is not really that much because the top five is kind of in a log jam as it is. They're trying to figure out who's going to fight who and who's worthy. Like you have uh, Poirier up top. Like first they need to find out what is Habib doing. I think they should have right. uh, uh, sh- stripped him of the title just because he's retiring. Uh, and just if he go says play soccer I'm, already. He wants to play soccer anyway. Yeah. Just let him go play soccer. <laughs> let, him, let him go. Vacate the title. Honor him, and then move on. Because right now the division's held up because of it. You right. got 
you got Poirier there who should be the champion. That fight, that, that, that second fight last month should have been for the title. You got a guy like Michael Chandler who I think should get a shot, but then you got Olivier who should, who probably has a case for the shot too. Mm-hmm. So, so mm-hmm. they, they have guys up there that can fight for the title. He just needs to step back and take the Diaz fight. If he wins, then maybe do something with him. If he loses, retire. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm going to throw my two cents and then we'll wrap this up because this is possibly the longest show in sports history. <laughs> yeah. um, yeah. I think it's a difficult situation for him. As Khabib actually just said this the other day, it's hard for – it's almost impossible actually, I think, for a fighter to hit their prime two times. I feel like weight-wise, where Connor walks around that, I feel like 155 is a good division for his – his weight, but for his body type, as Poirier said this on Joe Rogan's podcast the other day, he's very small. He has a small waist. His shoulders are smaller. He's a lot smaller than those guys. So I think I think 145 would be the best move for him personally right now. But he's the guy's worth probably $200 million. He, has, he makes ridiculous amounts of money every day. He lives on a yacht. Are you going to want to go cut from 168 or 170, whatever he walks around at, to 145? No, and I don't blame him for doing that. So I feel like I feel like Poirier is the only fight, or Diaz. I feel like the Diaz fight kind of would be an easier fight for Conor, not to discredit Nate Diaz, but just because of what happened between Poirier and McGregor recently. I think that would be an easier fight for him to go out and win. But I think right now what the UFC is leaning towards is booking Poirier and McGregor 3, hopefully with fans, like they were trying to do that in Texas that I saw earlier yeah. that we were talking about. Mm-hmm. But who knows? It's either you have to go, you have to be all in or all out, especially in this sport. Like you, he has to either go isolate himself back home in Ireland with his team, figure something out, going with a better game plan, and train, train like he has two dollars in his pocket, or listen, say, listen, I, I was a double champ, I did my thing, made all this money, I grew this sport myself. Cool. I'm gonna go right off in the sunset. I'm gonna go buy another yacht, and I'm gonna go to wherever. I'm gonna go to Ireland. See you guys. Thanks for the. But like. He has to pick one or the other, and you have to fully commit yourself to it. You can't be half in, half out. And I feel like over the past few years, he's ha- he has been half in, half out. It's hard to not be with all that money, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I miss I miss McGregor the grinder, the guy that was coming up. Exactly. Who, mm-hmm. like you said, he that's what he did. He was in Ireland training. Yes. And then once he, won the be- yep. once he won the belt, he moved to Vegas. They moved to Vegas, and then that's when all the other – uh, like distractions showed up, like uh, mm-hmm. the, the proper number twelve, or the, let yeah. me play uh, Mayweather, or retire, or the let me throw stuff at a bus to get yeah. to be attention. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, Listen, it just, and no, no discredit to him. It's just hard to balance of those things when you're such a, and not even that he's such a big superstar in the fight world. He's such a big celebrity, so it's hard to balance those things and isolate yourself and be able to work with your team and work with your coaches and develop game plans and do this. And then it, you can't go train and then you can't go to a, you can't go to a meeting and you can't go sign posters at a thing and you can't go develop this new whiskey and you can't go do your clothing. It's impossible to balance all that stuff and be the best yeah. in the world when there's other guys out there who don't have that stuff and are their Their sheer goal is to try and literally kill you and try and take everything that you work for. Right. Yeah, he doesn't have the focus right now. And like yeah. his it's focus hard. is, 
it's it's like this. His focus is everywhere. Yeah. Whereas then his focus was just, oh, I need like I'm not get, I'm broke. I need to fight. Yeah. That's what's gonna get me to the dance. Uh-huh. It's my training, and that's when he was right. at his best, and he's lost it because of the constant movements of doing things, and then retiring, and then he's not fighting as much anymore. Like he fought, uh, he fought a couple months ago. Before that, he fought Cerrone. Uh, eight months before that, but then before that, he didn't fight for two years. So, yeah. like, with time has killed him too. But like, uh-huh. he's not focused yeah. anymore. And lost the eye of the tiger. It's simple. It's yeah. tough. It's hard. Yeah, I don't. I I feel like he doesn't care anymore, which I don't blame him because he's a rich, a rich motherfucker now. But you know, <laughs> I think I think he's I think he still does care. Because he so still managed to come in at he still yeah. you know he did his training camp he came in at weight he didn't you know he did enough to show up to the fight but yeah. it's just not the same Connor that we're accustomed to seeing so you know he does care um you know if he didn't care he would have missed weight and eh, whatever you know mm-hmm. so he does care it's just that like you know you guys we've all been saying really that his his focuses are so he's being pulled in so many directions mm-hmm. it's yep. tough to yeah. once you become because he became the most one of, if not the most popular celebrity, not even athlete, yeah, celebrity even on planet yep. Earth. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He surpassed LeBron James for a, for a stretch of time there. Um, you know, and again with all the all the endorsements and everything he was doing, it's 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 really tough to 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 get that um, that desire back, that hunger when you're on top. So you know, he, he I think did he tweet something about no more Mr. Nice McGregor or something like that after. After the yeah. 48 fights, he said something, or it was an interview oh, or Twitter, something. He, I was going to mention that he tweeted uh, a few days ago. I'm going to something about defending the calf kick, and then the first yeah. person, yeah. Yeah. the first person to respond back was Michael Chandler. He was like, "It was like if we want help with the calf kick, DM me." Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I'm like, I'm like trying to put two and two together. That's I'm cool. like, is he trying to say that he wants McGregor, or is he actually like? He was like, or he's oh, actually top, like, yeah. I'll help you out with that. Like, mm-hmm. I'm trying to take it from both sides because you, you got Chandler who's doing nothing right now. That's definitely now. a call out. That's definitely yeah. a call out. Because Chandler, like you said, Chandler's not got nothing going on, and neither does McGregor in theory. So, you know, that that's going to be a money fight just because you put the McGregor name on it. But yeah, man, it's, I'm sad. I'm sad for Connor, man. That's my boy. Oh, dude, that's my that boy. Like I'm sad. That might crush me, man. <laughs> uh, trust trust me. My family was making fun of me, dude. I was hurt that night. <laughs> I felt worse than Connor did. Trust me, looking at my red hair, you know, like that's my guy. (laughs) (laughs) Like we were doing that fight, I was at a bar, I was drinking. You should have seen the uh, the comments I was dropping into the community feed while I was drunk. (laughs) Oh fuck! (laughs) He's he's the only guy that you know that could uh, pull off like mimicking Vince McMahon with that walk walk strut. Yes, yes, yes. And like that's that's the best. Like seeing people uh, do it just and then. Your first thing is like, are they mimicking Vincent Man? But then you get it like, maybe they're mimicking Conor McGregor. That's how good it is. <laughs> yeah. But like, he, are rumors he, that he's going to make an appearance at WrestleMania. So I don't know. Uh, Triple H mentioned his name, so we'll see. Yeah, yeah. like <laughs> this year, we'll see. I, I wouldn't I, mind seeing Conor in the WWE. Boy, watch, watch it. Give it a year. He's going to be in there. Like, he, he's already he already has the the mic skills uh, with the trash talking. So you know. 
I, get in I and give Mustafa it, Ali a head kick. That's what I would love to see that. <laughs> I, I want to put it past them to do like a year in uh, in the WWE just like Ronda Rousey did. Mm, no. That'd be cool. Yeah. That'd be all right. Yep, yeah. but uh, that is the last uh, uh, topic of the Maybe. night. Anything, mm, yeah. anything you guys want to get off your chest before we get going? I just want to thank you guys for joining us. It was fun. It was two hours, 15 minutes. It was just fun. I had a good time. <laughs> It was. I can't believe it went this long, but I mean, it was all worth it. We got a lot done. I'm excited for the fights this weekend. I want to thank everyone on Facebook and YouTube, Periscope, but I don't even know what we're on right now. But I want to thank everyone <laughs> for joining us. It was a great time, and I'm pumped to do it again. I wish you guys the best of luck going forward with your show, and me and Lou are going to keep our thing going. We're going to continue to support you guys, so I'm excited Absolutely. to see where this takes us. And, and vice versa. Uh, like, yeah. Thank you guys for having us on. It was great. Uh, I appreciate it. Like, how do you guys do yours? Are you, do you just do it once a month or like just for the pay-per-views? <laughs> um, for the most part, it was really for... like the bigger events. But, yeah. you know, uh, Bobby and I are both in college right now. So it's, you know, it's a little bit hard with harder, yeah. college is college, man. You got to get that done. So, yeah. you know, it's tough. I, oh, yeah, I hear you. But you like, know. I lo- like, I listened to you guys last time and it was great. Uh, you guys definitely Thank know your you. shit. And it was nice to be able to do this. I, I hope we, we could do this uh, more often, uh, like for these uh, big fights. Like this, this was a huge one. So we, uh, in my head, I was like, we have to do something because there's yeah. three title fights, <laughs> and then just one the one the eight the the even with the prelims, it's stacked. Like oh, yeah. I'm a, like usually I'll turn it on in prelims and I'll give it half notice, and then once the main fight go, uh, card goes on, then I'm fully focused. On this right. one, I feel like I'm gonna have to tune in in like five, six o'clock, and then be tuned yeah. in for the rest of the like the whole thing because that's Absolutely. how I'm, tra- packed it I'm is. trying to plan how I can get a table because like I don't have pay per view, so I got to go somewhere to watch it. So I'm like calling places now, trying Buffalo to find a Wild spot. <laughs> I Buffalo tried Buffalo Wild, Wild Wings in my area; they're too small. Like they couldn't no. even seat for the uh, Conor Poirier, uh, the McGregor Poirier fight, I'm and they're like, yeah, "Yeah, that's too big." So I'm just gonna sit in my chair, there. but I'm. Uh, I'm 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 a bad boy and I do it illegally. So, I don't care. FBI, FBI that was a joke. That was a joke. FBI, three days. please don't persecute. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> that was a joke. Brian, sorry, bro. We're not, we're not trying to get kicked. Brian, sorry. No, 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 no. I'm actually, oh, I'm actually going to my. No, I'm actually going. I'm actually going to my buddy's house. So I'm I'm watching at his house. Yeah, it's always buddy's a dirty, dirty criminal, not him. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> because That's we awesome. were going to go out, and then it was the same thing. It's like, I'm not going to try and go super early and then sit yeah. there for six hours. And then he was like, let's just order it. We'll split it. I'm like, yeah, it's worth it. This is one of those fights. It's worth it to pay uh, to watch it because of the three title fights. So we're going to yeah. do that. I'm going to be doing the double stream. I have to because it's the All-Star Weekend this weekend as well. So Saturday is the skills competition, the three-point contest. So I'll probably have that on the computer and the UFC on the big yeah. screen. You know, but, I can't, I can't not watch the skills competition. Can't do it. Yeah, but you can find both of our uh, podcast on uh, uh, on uh, the Twitter, the the Facebook for the sports box. Uh, this big sports group that's grown by the leaps and bounds. Uh, I just talked to Brian and he said, there's over 20 podcasts on here now, which is crazy. Is. Like he was mentioning how uh, on the, the other day, how it was just him and Mike in the yeah. basement. 
uh, doing it by himself. And so now it's 20 podcasts on here. So check out all the podcasts on there. Just go to the Facebook page. Yeah, there's a usually a schedule on there of every podcast on there. You can you can check me Miles out on every Monday at 8:30 p.m. Eastern. Uh, this Monday we're we're going to do a recap of 2:59, so you can catch that. And then usually we put out uh, uh, pre-recorded uh, episodes every Thursday, breaking like breaking down like a preview of the fight night cards, uh, which I post on YouTube. So check those out, and then check you uh, check uh, fighting words out for the main pay-per-views every month. Uh, I'll definitely be tuning in uh, when you guys come on next time. And like, I always try and support everybody on the, on uh sports box. I try and get all Absolutely. my friends to watch it because that's how you grow. Absolutely. Not just the, your podcast. We're all a team, which is great, which is what I like. We are a team to try and help each other out. So, uh, but uh, I'll wrap this up and then, uh, Hopefully we uh, see fireworks this Saturday, but uh, uh, I will talk to you guys later. All right. Take care. Hopefully hopefully we don't get fired for the length of the show, man. Sorry. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) I'm hoping to have a a sandwich in the future. So (laughs) you can, you can send me mine by drone. Uh, You can have a drink, like a little cup holder. Just send the whole thing to me. That'd be perfect. If you're really taking Sterling, I'll really take Yan just for the purposes of this bet. (laughs) Don't forget about the leg kick knockout. The leg kick. Yes. I'm, I'm expecting three sandwiches. To come my way. That's what I'm expecting. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, yep. Uh, but we are out. Thank All right, gentlemen. It. Have a good night, guys. Let's work with you. Thank you for watching this episode of Cage My IQ on the Sports Box. Please remember to follow us on all of our social media outlets. On Facebook, at Sportsbox Show. Twitter, at Sportsbox Show. Instagram, at The Sportsbox Show. Find us on YouTube and join Outside the Box, our Facebook sports discussion group. The Sports Box is brought to you by our sponsor, Showcase Sports in Hamilton. Showcase Sports for the elite athlete. And also our friends over at Crowdplay. Download the free Crowdplay app today and use promo code THEBOX at sign up for 10 free points. Thank you for joining us.